Here you go, just a little intro music. And today I have Jeremy in the house. Jeremy Lipkowitz, very Polish last name. Jeremy, he is a um, coach uh, for, who helps people to get kind of over their porn addiction. And probably that's the first type of coach I ever met before. How are you, buddy? Good, man. Good. <laughs> Good. Thanks for being here. So we met, uh, Jeremy came over to a cafe, which uh, me and my two partners opened recently. And me and Jeremy just started talking, and, and I was like, what do you do? And he's like, well, I do this. <laughs> and I'm like, that is very interesting. <laughs> Let's talk more about it. Uh, but before we get um, getting straight into porn... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, these are these buttons. Yeah. Oh, nice. Thank you. Thank you. It's nice yeah, to be here. Nice before to be we here. get in there, um, let's talk about, um, first of all, you being in Bali now for a bit. Uh, this is your first time. You've been here before. What is your what is your story in yeah. Bali? Second time in Bali. So I was here maybe four years ago um, for just like two weeks because I used to live in Thailand. So I mm -hmm. lived in Thailand for four years. And while I was there, you know, you would travel around other countries and came here for about two weeks with a friend. Uh, so it's not my first time in Southeast Asia, but back here in Bali now for about six months and mm -hmm. giving it a shot, seeing if I want to move here or something. Right, right. Yeah. yeah, well, why not? Look at the Bali. Bali is amazing. It is you amazing. Know? It's not a brainer when someone says like, oh, do you want to live in Bali? Like, duh. It's just a question to figure out how. Yeah, you know how to figure out how to make money and still stay sane. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> well, for me, it's interesting. I have that part figured out. Like, I already do all my my work online. Mm -hmm. I have online courses, um, so I could move here if I want. But it's a question of do I want to give up my life in Amsterdam, which is nice, but I've got community friends. Mm. You know, um, someone with your accent is definitely from Amsterdam. <laughs> well, not from Amsterdam. <laughs> <laughs> my life in Amsterdam. Yeah. Uh, how long have you been in Amsterdam now? Three years since since the beginning of the pandemic. Right, right, right. And uh, so originally you are from states, but which state? Which California. part? California. California. Yeah. And uh, w how you decided? Like that's it. I'm done with California. Like I want to. Yeah. Explore, see something else, or just kind of didn't enjoy any more states, or. Yeah, it wasn't back then. It wasn't so much like I didn't enjoy the states back then. It was I. So my background is in genetics. So mm -hmm. I used to be studying genetics. I was working on a PhD at Duke in genetics and genomics. And around that time, I started teaching meditation just for fun, just because I was passionate about it and wanted uh, mostly a way to keep myself consistent with my mm -hmm. own practice. So I was teaching it to others and doing my PhD at the same time. And I just realized that I was more passionate about teaching people about mental health and wellness and how to understand what's mm -hmm. going on in their mind. So I left my PhD program and quit academia and started teaching meditation full time. And happened to get this job offer in Bangkok, teaching mindfulness in a school. So flew to Bangkok, worked there for a year, and fell in love with Asia. Didn't really like Bangkok, so then I ended up moving to Chiang Mai and stayed there for three years. Stayed in Chiang Mai for three years. Yeah, yeah, I've been there. A very beautiful place. Who uh, who hasn't been there? In my opinion, it was one of the most like peaceful kind of places as well. Mm -hmm. There's still like a presence of tourism, quite strong, but not as crazy as. Phuket or... It's not a party. Yeah. yeah because it doesn't have any beaches, so it doesn't attract, true. like, the, you know, the full moon party crowd. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's more people who want to go, you know, elephant sanctuary mm -hmm. or visit a monastery, so... Nice. D did you yeah. learn how to speak in Thai? I, yeah. Yeah? What do you Hop, hop. Hop, hop. <laughs> <laughs> there was, like, how do you say, how are you? 
it was where um สบายดีไหมครับ okay ครับคุณครับคุณครับคุณครับ thank you ครับคุณครับ yeah that's the only yeah. thing I remember yeah yeah ครับคุณครับ and then it's You didn't learn uh, like no, no, no. the bathroom. No, no, no. It was not long enough. I, w- I literally, w- I was there for two Christmases, and each Christmas was like just three weeks. Mm. So I wasn't like. Yeah, and it's uh, a tough language. I mean, it's a tonal language, so mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. really tricky to, to yeah. get. Yeah. And then, do you are you thinking about going back to Thailand eventually, or trying to figure that out? Like, do I want to really give Bali a shot, mm-hmm. stay here long term? Do I want to? Give Thailand another chance. Why would sure. you? Why would you give a shot to any place in the sense of like being like that's it? This is my place. You can be, as you said, yeah. like you are very location independent. So yeah, super digital no- nomad. A super shout digital out nomad. to d- digital nomads. Yeah. I have a special sound for them. Oh no, no, <laughs> <laughs> no! This, this one. <laughs> this is the digital yeah. nomad sound. Yeah. Welcome to Bali. I am a digital nomad. Yeah. I have no job. <laughs> 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 and I'm eating nasi goreng every day. Yeah. Nasi goreng is the one of the most cheapest things you can find in a local Varungs. Uh, yeah, just saying. Which we people. were just talking about. Yeah, how much I love. How much you love? Yeah. yeah. So obviously, uh, your business is flourishing. Since exactly. <laughs> in those places, yeah. <laughs> things are being go well. I like. I really want to tiptoe around this uh, the the porn thing for a little bit. Uh, we'll learn a little bit more about you. Yeah. Um, you said about PhD. PhD. Yeah. That is. First of all, in America, that's a lot of money. So, did you well, get a scholarship? Did you? How did you? Yeah. Yeah. So most science PhDs mm-hmm. uh, in the states, you get a scholarship for. Oh, okay. So, like a master's program is usually you have to pay for it. Right, right. If you get uh, accepted into a PhD program, it's usually because they're going to pay for you for mm. your first, you know, for you to do it. Um, so not only did I get a scholarship from Duke to do that, but I also got a scholarship from the National Science Foundation. A scholarship so from Duke. What the hell that means? Duke, like of Manchester, Duke of Wellington. Oh, Duke is, is a <laughs> Duke is a, a, a well-known university in the U.S. Oh, Duke right, university. right. Like Oxford in, in exactly UK, like, like Yale. Mm. You know, Oxford, oh, okay. Stanford. Duke. Duke is one of those. That's how much of, I know about universities in states. Yeah, <laughs> it's one of those snooty ones where if you want to name drop where you went, you're like, oh yeah, I, I can name I've been drop. I'm studying in Duke. Yes, exactly. What have you done with your life? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If I feel that the need to name drop a little bit, yeah, yeah, yeah. I do. But then, Bush, and then the half clearly, a Neanderthal like, <laughs> like you doesn't know anything. So, well, yeah. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. The tell. I will take that as a compliment. They, they're like, you re- they're yeah, good-looking exactly, guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, we re- oh, a couple of days ago, we had a trip. I told you I was on a trip, uh-huh, that different yeah. kind of trip, psychedelic yeah. trip. And uh, for some reason, I was like, my lady, she was, she was like, oh, baby, you're just so sexy. You look at you so muscly. And I was like, I'm a caveman. Yes, I get the shroom. I get the lady. <laughs> so like, then it's just like. Where did your Russian accent come I don't from? know. It's just, it's kind of like, a, it, it, that's my Neanderthal accent. I see, I see. What are you saying about Russians? Right? Oh, they, well, that's what I just said. Yeah. There you go. Hey. <laughs> and so you studied pretty much, what's that? Four four years bachelor, two years masters. So I went straight into my PhD. So sometimes you you can do a masters, or if you're on a fast track, if you're doing well, you can go straight from bachelors straight oh. into a PhD program. Wait a minute, but what about your bachelors? Yeah, I did my bachelors first. Yeah, at UC Davis in California. Right. And then after that, 
I got accepted into their PhD program. Oh, straight away. So you skipped. That's what I thought. I thought you yeah. said uh, you did bachelor, uh, mas master's and then you did uh, PhD. No. Okay. Yeah. So you skipped so master's, master's. Yeah, I was saying oh, master's wow. early because master's programs you usually have to pay for. Right, right, right. Yeah, but I didn't. That's very interesting. I never heard yeah. that before that you can just skip master's. Yeah. It's an Ameri American thing, I guess. Yeah. Okay. So that means the, uh, in PhD it was like two years? Uh, well, I was there for four and a half years. Oh, okay. The average of our program is like six and a half years. PhD is six and a half years. And that's, it's also different. Like, for, like in the UK, you know, where people usually do a master's first and then PhD, PhD is more like three years because mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you go straight into the laboratory. Right. You're usually working on the project that your PI wants you to work on. But in the US, you know, you do a lot more courses and then you're also developing your own research project. So our wow. average is a bit longer. So what was your PhD about? Is uh, systems biology and gene regulatory networks. We're studying <laughs> developmental <laughs> biology. Yeah, uh, yeah. Tell it's me like about it's it. It's like almost like you're talking about network, like the network, the the mushroom network when in the ground. Kind yeah. of. I was actually studying plant root development. So yeah, we yeah. we studied plant roots as our system to wow. understand developmental biology. Like, how do you go from a single stem cell to, you know, skin cells, nerve cells, bone cells? That wow. that's a complicated process. And then you got to the boner cells. Oh. <laughs> wow. If, if that's the level of your humor, <laughs> you're going to have to be using those sound effects to bring the laughter because I don't know you, if it's coming you anywhere else. You called me Neanderthal. This is what you're getting now. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> what about like your family? So they were supporting you uh, through your um, studies and they were like very happy for you, what you were doing. And then, yeah. then you kind of... Peaced out. Peaced out. And, yeah. and uh, what, what was the yeah, it was reaction? My mom is actually a research professor, oh, okay. or was until she retired. So she is in academia, you know, scientist, and was very happy that I was like following in her footsteps. And then when I told her that I was leaving academia, she's like, no, how can you leave? You know, you just have, you know, you're so close to finishing. Yeah, yeah. Why not just finish? But, you know, the thing is, is, you know, I was hearing her complain about how much she hated academia, all the politics, all the bullshit, all the drama. And, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and I was like, Mom, like, what are you talking about? This is a horrible place to spend your life. Like, I'm leaving for my mental health and you should, too. And she's like, yeah, you're probably right. Yeah. And so she retired a few years later. Oh, really? Yeah. That's very interesting, like how older generation, they just kind of, they were so conditioned that this is the way to do it and this is the way yeah. to live your life and this is all you got your PhD, that means you accomplished and you should continue doing it. And that's so funny because in my life I met uh, some people who would also get their PhDs, but they did masters as well, mm. so they didn't skip that. And I remember I already left Latvia, so I, uh, I was in Canada, then I moved to UK and would go back home and I had this very good friend of mine who obviously he really liked the showman stuff like he wanted to do stand-up he wanted mm. to do like presentation whatever and he was a lawyer who just got his phd mm. and i said like i'm i'm a proof that it's possible like i left when i was 25 26 so quite late and like look i'm doing this and this in, in uk like as long as you just want to do it it's going to happen but he's what his thing was like no i got my phd i paid all this money and i'm like this lawyer now even though i hate my job yeah i still gonna stay here i was like are you listening yourself right like how does it make any sense to continue this path and a lot of people, I mean, it's it's so interesting because one of the reasons I eventually left is I realized, like, I was close to finishing relatively, but I realized, you know, I wasn't going to do anything with my PhD afterwards. You know, I didn't yeah. want to be a scientist. But so many people are afraid to to start over. 
you know, they're like, well, I'm this far in, like, it's too late for me to start a whole new journey. Mm -hmm. And they have this feeling that they just can't do something new. Yeah. They're like, well, I don't like what I'm doing, but I've already invested in it and got this. But it's never too late. Mm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's, again, this is something when we are conditioned since we're kids and you're like someone, so someone who's scientist. Are you a scientist? I would say so. Can I call you a scientist? Yeah. I was a scientist. That's so sexy. I <laughs> Should I wear my scientist I have the first <laughs> scientist in my podcast. Yeah. I think so. I'm not sure. I had politicians. I had uh, world leaders, but never had a scientist. Yeah. <laughs> um, the scientist and the K-man. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's a perfect combo. The stuntman and the porn junkie. Hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, or that. Yeah. Yeah, we have There's AK, a lot of ways to define. Uh, AKA, AKA. Yeah. Um, when people kind of are so conditioned since they're kids uh, that this is the way we have to live. And I recently was talking about this um, uh, concept of how many straight people never even considered, like straight guys, never considered to uh, kiss another guy or do like different like explorations about their sexuality. Uh, and one of the main reasons is because they've, since they're kids, they're conditioned. Girl likes a boy, boy likes a girl, and mommy, daddy, and the boy, kids, and like, and some many countries are so strict of saying like, no, don't even think about it, mm -hmm. right? And it was so funny because I had this uh, Russian friend sitting next to me, and he just looks at me, and he's he's just studying Russian, but he, uh, English, but he's really trying, and he's like, Renard, I don't understand. What do you mean? I know I like girls. I always know. But then I was tell him. Can you imagine if you grow up in kindergarten when everyone say, like, you can love girls or boys, it doesn't matter, you know, as long as you're happy. Do you think you would think differently? And I was kind of challenging him yeah. on that. And he's like, yes, Renars, you're right. It could be true, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I knew a little bit I like men every time. <laughs> But you know what I mean? Like, yeah, this yeah, yeah. how we condition, yeah. like, since we we're kids to certain things, yeah. right? Um, so what do you have as a scientist to say about it? <laughs> uh, totally true. I mean, yeah. it's... It's it's fascinating just to think about how much, how much of our life is just because of how we've been conditioned versus mm. how much is naturally there. There's a lot of questions of nature versus nurture and and all that, but uh, it's fascinating to think about. You know. What do you think about the uh, whole concept of the gut feeling? And the gut feeling when mm. I remember when I was younger, when I was like also in, in university, I felt like I yeah. made my decisions with my brains, with my with my head. Yeah, most likely I didn't, yeah, <laughs> but yeah, I thought yeah. I did. Um, but then there was a certain point when I knew, uh, like, everything inside just was saying that yeah. I need to change something in my life. And yeah. I, I would say that as a gut feeling. Totally. I, I mean, not only is it, like, an interesting term, w we actually know now scientifically that there's, there's truth to that. Mm. Um, one of the things, I don't know if I told you, I teach emotional intelligence in organizations. So I, I go into these companies and teach emotional intelligence. And one of the things we teach about is... Uh, what is emotional intelligence and this kind of the the wisdom of the body is actually real there's a fascinating study i could tell you to it to okay. explain it if yeah. you want so yeah, imagine yeah, go. and for the people listening at home yeah. imagine you go into a room and on the table you see four decks of cards mm -hmm. and you know there's two blue decks and two red decks and you have to pull you know from these different decks to try to win as much money as possible and you don't know you know how like the cards you're just like okay there's four decks each card you draw will either win you money or lose you money mm -hmm. but what you don't know is the red decks are minefields like you're more statistically likely to lose money if you're pulling from the red decks okay you don't know that at first right and so you have to just pick by trial and error the question is how long does it take you to figure out that the red decks are fucked and you should be drawing from the blue decks right so they did then they found that about 50 cards in you start to have an idea that something's wrong with the red decks 
You're like, uh, okay, something. 50, 50, 5 0. 5 0. That's quite a lot of cards. Well, you don't know how statistically rigged it is. Okay. It's not like every card in the red deck right. is wrong. It's just that it's more likely. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's rigged in your favor to be drawing from the blue. So it's not every red card okay. is a bad card. You know what I mean? Okay, so That's eventually you would learn, basically, yeah. Eventually. So it takes 50 for you to have a hunch. Mm-hmm. By 80 cards, most people have figured it out. They're like, oh, shit, okay, these red decks is broken. I should just draw from the blue. Mm-hmm. Now, here's where it's fascinating. They attached a lie detector test to people's palms, which measure, measures the sweat response. Mm-hmm. And what they found is that after 10 cards, when people started reaching for the red decks, they started to sweat. So your body basically says before you even, your brain... Exactly. Oh, wow. 40 cards before your brain has an idea, your body's already sweating. That is really cool. And it shows you the body knows shit that your mind doesn't know about. That is really cool. So the wisdom of the body is a real thing. Yeah. And so the gut feeling is like my body's telling me something is wrong. Mm. And it's interesting because it's like sometimes the the gut feeling should be listened to, but sometimes the gut feeling is based off of, you know, like uh, racism, Mm -hmm, other mm -hmm. things. Like you might have a gut feeling of fear when a black person walks in the room, Mm. but that might be because you're racist towards black people. The stereotypes, right? So what they call like, what does the stereotype mean? Stereotype is like a defense mechanism. Because we've seen, we heard, we witnessed that certain type of people do certain type of things, yeah, then exactly. we automatically assume, and it, this is so embedded in our DNAs, yeah. like, you know, just like so many different other things like uh, aggression or whatever, yeah, like exactly. it's in our DNAs, uh, and, and there's not much you can do about it. But I there's mean, also systemic, like systemic racism, systemic exactly. bias, where you don't even think that you're biased, but, you mm. know, based off of your conditioning, your childhood, how you were raised, mm. you might be biased towards things. So the gut feeling is real. Whether or not you always listen to it as mm. the truth is another question. Yeah, for me, like uh, living in London for so long time, like we um, have these whole thi- stories uh, and events of like stabbing. So it's a big, big uh, thing now. And uh, the, the stabbers usually assume like these young kids with like hoodies on and whatever. And listen, like if I see someone like this walking down the street and walking like not, like near me or something, I'm, I'm getting aware. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, but yeah. it's interesting because there's a famous case of this in the U.S. There was a you know a little uh, a young black kid in a hoodie with Skittles in his pocket, and these two you know white people like chased him down and murdered him because they thought he was a criminal when yeah. he was going for a walk, but he was wearing a hoodie. Yeah. So it's just interesting to like see like oh yeah the body tells you stuff, but Mm-mm-mm. this is getting back to the you know how we were raised and mm. yeah. Mm. And what kind of like triggers can uh, can happen? Yeah. For what we witnessed as a kids, yeah, yeah. Okay, so about meditation and, uh, but also like when you were talking about the um, uh, regarding the cards, what did you say? It's a uh, intellectual. What was the name of it? How emotional intelligence. Emotional intelligence. There's a very famous book, emotional intelligence. Yeah. I think Dan Goleman. Yeah. yeah, I remember one of my guests uh, suggested to 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 check that yeah. out. And um, what were the main points about that emotional intelligence? Do you remember from that book? I mean, the, the basic concept is you can do a lot of work, you know, building up your skill set in, in, you know, computer programming, you know, stunt acting, all kinds of other things. But people don't realize that, like, emotional intelligence is a skill set that you need to develop mm-hmm. also. And it gives you things like self-awareness, 
and self-management, like how do you manage your emotions, is a skill you can learn. Right, right, right. It's Instead of react, uh, exactly. you know. Like so you is that something, what do you do? What do you, uh, what do you help people? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Okay, yeah. so t- tell us more about that. How do you how do you do that? What is, yeah. also what kind of s- training you've done before for to qualify? Yeah. Well, mindfulness, you know, going back to my, mm-hmm. we'll talk about this with porn addiction, but, you know, what got me initially over the hump of porn addiction Mm-hmm. No pun intended. Yeah, um, yeah. What? <laughs> I, See, I, I wasn't playing in that. I, I didn't even got I it. I was just so. Can you hit that little? Like, <laughs> which one? Yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> oh, there we go. Thanks. Little, I don't even need delayed. I don't even do the button. You just say tits. Tits. Man, this is going down. No pun intended. No pun intended. I like you say you say I like penises. No pun intended. It's like, but what do you mean by that? Well, <laughs> it's a very yeah. rare flower somewhere in jungle. <laughs> Cold penis. Yeah. All right. So, it, mindfulness, like the, you know, I like the, the transaction. Yeah. The, the transition or transaction? No, transaction. Because I just transferred money to you and apologizing what I'm doing here. Oh, today. okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um. Anyways, um, emotional intelligence. One of the foundations of it is mindfulness. Yeah. And being aware of what's happening, you know, being aware of what's happening in your mind, in your body, in your life, and in your interactions with other people. Mm -hmm. So that is one of the things I've always been teaching people. I mean, always going back to 12 years ago when I started teaching people is really just how to be aware of what's happening. Um, And then from that, you can build off of these other emotional intelligence capacities like Mm -hmm. self-control and self-management, also empathy motivation like how do you actually get motivated to do things how do you develop resilience when things don't go the way you want equanimity you know when you're in a challenging situation how do you keep keep your calm um so there's a lot of cool keep it cool yeah yeah so and when you said about the um so there's also the anger management is kind of Mm -hmm. part of it as well so basically how you how you act in in among people like in society how you behave exactly it's like a behavioral management and stuff exactly i mean how do you Mm. act skillfully yeah. Like, of course, you could just be a buffoon, and when you're angry, you can hit people, and when you're upset, you can just cry out loud. But it's like that's not always the skillful way to behave. Right, right, right. So it's basically example when the Karen comes uh, over to counter, and it's just total Karen, and yeah. then people have to handle it professionally. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Like, how do you say, like, Miss, I'm sorry that you're upset, yeah. but unfortunately, we can't provide you the refund because you don't like the French fries. Yeah, you're such a Karen. Yeah. <laughs> I would be the worst in that position. Yeah, like, fuck you, Karen. No. <laughs> oh, yeah, and, and it's really these skills, people are recognizing these skills are more and more important in whatever career yeah. you want to have. Yeah. How you interact with other people, how you lead people and influence people. And they are getting poorer and poorer. Is that a word? Yeah. Poorer. <laughs> uh, because we just so lack the interaction. Exactly. I mean, especially if you look at kids who spend oh all days God. on their phones, it's like they don't know how to interact. You're with gonna have people. a lot of work in the future. Damn straight, I am. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, girl. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting this. Yeah, getting this bank, and um, and I know I like studying in university. I remember a lot of people who would have issues with that, and they just their personalities, they're introverts. Yeah. They struggle to have that conversation, like which socially I awkward. never. Yeah, socially awkward, which I never had any issues yeah. since I was a kid. I was yeah. like, I always could yeah, talk to Yeah, you're the me. opposite. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm the opposite. Yeah. And I like, sometimes you just, 
you know, teacher feels like holding me in a leash, just like, listen, you're just too much. Yeah. What do you mean too much? Do you want to talk about it? <laughs> 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 Give me a, uh, maybe a good example from your perspective, like for, from last five, ten years, when you would see that as a really bad example of how someone doesn't know how to be a professional and then um, just lose their cool, lose their shit. And, and then you think like, I think you should have my business card. Yeah. I mean, there's basically like any example you can think of of, of shitty behavior in the workplace, like mm. people getting um, uh, jealous, talking behind other people's backs, people. It's just all the kind of ways that people don't know how to to engage skillfully with mm -hmm. challenging. Um, you know, one very one of the modules I love teaching the most and it's one of my favorite topics is around difficult conversations mm -hmm. like when you need to have a difficult conversation with somebody and tell something to someone that might be uncomfortable for you or for the other person, a lot of people will avoid that conversation. Right. They'll just say, I just don't want to have this conversation, so I'm just going to ghost this person or we're just never going to talk about it. And you can't have a functioning team, a functioning company, if mm. you don't know how to have difficult conversations. The confrontation, uh, yeah. squash the beef. What exactly. is that the way to call it? <laughs> yeah, like how do you actually yeah. talk about that difficult issue without getting you know without blaming the other person mm -hmm. all this kind of stuff that that's a skill that you need to learn how to do yeah and do it in a in a skillful way um so that's one of the biggest ones is difficult conversations because people even, just don't know how to do it and not even talking about a professional or business kind of environment or work environment on an everyday basis Friends. we get yeah we get in fights all, so yeah. many times and and i honestly i feel such a it's just a heavy rock on my chest if I don't squash that beef with someone. Exactly. You know, and, and I, anytime I have opportunity, listen, we need to talk. Yeah. So like, you think it's nothing's going on, I think it's going on, I think we need to talk. And pretty much 99% out of all those attempts of me squashing the beef, it always, it, it improves. Yeah. You know. And, and sometimes just, it doesn't yeah. because the people don't know how to take it. Right. right? People don't know how to receive feedback, mm -hmm. which is another skill. Like having the conversation, but also receiving the right. feedback is also a skill of emotional intelligence. The constructive criticism as well. Yeah. Mm. How do you not take it personally? But how right. do you say, thank you for bringing me this information right. so I can right. be better? Most people say, well, fuck you too. Like, how dare you? You know, it's like, <laughs> it, it, it's, it's so beneficial to cultivate these things. Yeah. Like you said, not just for your workplace, but mm -hmm. for your romance, for your relationships, yeah. your friendships, oh, yeah, your relationships, family members. Yeah. You know? That's hundred percent, and if you don't, yeah, you're gonna you're gonna struggle. Yeah. And talking about cr uh, con constructive criticism, I remember I was very like much more def more defensive than I am now. If someone says like, "No, that was shit," I was like, "Yeah, so what do I do now? Like, we'll try to work on this, try to work on that. Awesome, I will do that." Yeah. And also the other thing you have to understand, it's a subjective. Uh, criticism. So right. it's a one person. Like, hopefully, it's one person. <laughs> it was like it was like <laughs> five people. friends. Are yeah, like, hey, and, then, and you man, still your and bio stinks, <laughs> and you're like, that's just one person's perspective. <laughs> now it's we funny that happened 99 <laughs> times, but it's still 99 <laughs> people's perspective. And then Eminem starts singing his song. No, to nine problems. No, Jay Z. Oh, that was Jay Z. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. I can't even get the references right, but I, I knew there was a song. You say, like, it's going to get worse and worse with the young kids, and yeah. how do you even deal with that? Yeah. Send, send a message. <laughs> I mean, it's honestly, it's something that I really don't know how we're going to handle it. Because it's, you know, talking about porn addiction, 
let alone like screen addiction and kids just on Instagram and TikTok all day. Mm. The porn addiction problem in young kids is just, it's insane. Like imagine if you had a cell phone mm-hmm. when you were eight years mm. old and you had access to Pornhub. Well, the only thing is I'm saying that like parents who have some kind of responsibility, they put those blocks on. Like they can put all the blocks. And kids can get around anything. Kids can hack it. Oh, yeah. Okay, well, since uh, since you start talking about it, let's talk about the porn addiction. Let's talk hey, about porn, yeah. Just get so <laughs> excited. Um, so, okay, so how long have you been doing this now? Uh, how did it start and how did you came up with the idea? So I've been coaching around porn addiction for the last five years. Mm-hmm. Um, it starts way earlier. I mean, it starts with my own, in my own porn addiction. It's yep. really, you know, where it started and what got me into meditation. <laughs> <laughs> I can join as well, yeah. <laughs> but I'm the functional functional addict. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I think at least High I think so. uh, yeah. daily user. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you know, I'm, there's a wide spectrum of you know whether something is totally fine or to all the way to an addiction. Like some people can use it in a healthy way. Mm-hmm. Some people use it a bit too much, where it's it's not the healthiest thing, but it's not ruining their life. Yeah. And then for some people, it's you know. It's actually causing serious harm in their life. I can't wait to hear what means uh, this is okay. This yeah. is maybe too You're just much. just waiting for me yeah. to give you a green check. You're <laughs> like, I just brought Jeremy on because I just really want to know that I'm okay. Five times a day. Is that okay? <laughs> <laughs> I believe deep in heart it's okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like that's a straight away. Here's a question. So yeah. just like with the uh, functional alcoholics and alcohol, right? Mm-hmm. So every country ha- they have, if you have a one pint a week, you know, mm-hmm. you're fine. If you have four pints a week, you should be like being worried about it or whatever. Yeah. So, yeah. so how is it? And who made that kind of research? Who this, you know, ha- gathered the data and said like, listen, if you watch Pornhub this amount of times, yeah. this is not okay. And how did they decide it? Well, and that's what's very fascinating and, and maybe also frustrating is there's no hard and fast rule based off of how many times you're watching or, you know, how long it is. Mm-hmm. It's, it's really a self-diagnosis where you have to check in and say, what are the ways that this is influencing my life? Mm-hmm. And, you know, what are the ways this is harming my life? What are the benefits that it's bringing to me? And it's really a personal diagnosis of are the harms outweighing the benefits. Right. And so it's not really about the uh, the actual amount, like how exactly. many times it, you, you could get do a that. sense. Like if I talk to somebody and they say, yeah, watch it three times a day, right. you know, chances are it's, right, you know, right, right. probably causing harm in their life. Because then I straight away think about how uh, someone, how sexually active they are. Mm-hmm. Because if someone is you know, would have sex once uh, once a week, uh, but they would replace that with watching porn once or twice a week. So that's kind of a problem for them because then they replace that with the actual intimacy, which, you know, con- I'm guessing considered to be healthier. <laughs> yeah. Or if someone who has sex every day and then they watch porn every day. I don't know. Does that make, sh- make sense? Yeah, I mean, again, it's it really comes down to the person and what's yeah. going on with their life. Um you know, part of the other thing that's interesting about this is with a lot of other drugs, the consequences are immediate or very obviously connected. Mm-hmm. You know, it's so like, you know, oh, this is because of my heroin use. Mm-hmm. With porn addiction, a lot of the consequences, they're kind of subtle. So sometimes they're hard to detect unless you're really self-aware or they're things that develop over the long term. So you might not see it the next day or even the next week, but if you're watching porn every day for 10 years, what it, and 
So again, my background in science, I was fascinated by the concept of neuroplasticity, which mm -hmm. is the understanding that our brain isn't just like something that develops when we're 19 and then it just stays the same. We're constantly forming new neural pathways and we're strengthening the neural pathways that we use and we're de-strengthening the neural pathways that we don't use. Mm -hmm. So if every night you watch an hour of porn for 10 years, every night you are strengthening the neural pathways associated with craving, with lust, with wanting a new mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. woman or man, whatever it is you're mm -hmm. looking at. And so you're strengthening those neural pathways where they become the habitual pathways. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that's what I noticed in my life is like my habitual response was objectifying women, checking women out, you know, like, and also because of the way that modern porn, modern high speed internet porn on tube sites, it's all about novelty. Every night you're scanning through hundreds or thousands of videos, looking at thumbnails, scrolling through, trying to find the best video, the best scene. And your mind is getting addicted and habituated to novelty, to when wanting say, something sorry, new. When you say yeah. um, this word habituated, can you, yeah. can you tell me what it means? It's getting like, it's you expect that, you, you kind of get accustomed to it, mm. where you end up needing something new or something more to get the same dopamine hit. Right, right, right. I mean, imagine, if I were to say the last porn video you watched, which you probably enjoyed, if I were to say... Every time you watch porn, it has to be that video, and that's the only porn video you can ever watch again. You would be like, that's boring. Like, I need yeah. something new. Yeah, for me, it's like, well, the way I watch porn... Actually, no, I never. I just want a friend of mine. <laughs> a friend of mine was telling me this. Yeah. The way he watches porn, <laughs> I would uh, go uh, back to the same old videos. I would be like, mm. I have uh, uh, maybe three... <laughs> three videos Hun <laughs> 300 videos <laughs> and i would just go in a circle yeah. but the way yeah the way it uh, kind of works for me i would say like yeah this one i saw three weeks ago and uh this is i don't and now three weeks later i, I watched it again i was like oh it's actually i like it again yeah. kind of thing so and then what i thought straight away was how we it feels like we dull dull ourselves down like when we watch the porn, like this, these all kinky, whatever, mm -hmm. different crazy ways and, and the novelties when you say like, you know, like I'm a cookie, I'm selling cookies here. I'm, I just need to sell my last box. Will you buy it, please? <laughs> <laughs> but I don't need any cookies. I will do anything. I will do anything. <laughs> yeah, the scenarios are just insane. <laughs> but when you say novelty, don't you mean that novelty? Novelty, like how kind of I mean it can be just as simple as just needing a new face oh okay okay just like wanting a new video to watch wanting a new scenario oh, okay. that's what you mean yeah yeah wanting, you know like but what happens is because of the as you said like we get dulled down where it's like most people you know the same vanilla porn like missionary sex mm. doesn't do it for them. like the first time they see it is like oh my god like first time you see it, it's like oh my god a breast yeah oh, oh my gosh lingerie catalog First what? time that happened, that was that was when we were very young. That was yeah. our mothers. Okay, so right, <laughs> <laughs> the second time it happened. Let's say the Whoa, second time. Listen, yeah. listen, mom, what was was going on? <laughs> but so what happens is, you know, over time, you you need more and more extreme things because yeah. you're getting. It's called desensitized. Desensitized. Yeah, dulled is a, is kind yeah, of a basically synonym, the same it? thing. It's yeah. like, uh, that's kind of boring now. Mm -hmm. Like I need something a little more exciting to get the same hit. Yeah. You know, and so then you start looking at, oh, maybe I'll get into a little bit more or something. It's like a definition for a proper junkie, like a drug addict. Exactly. You start with a little stuff and you need more and more different, exactly. whatever. Yeah. And so that's, I mean, 
there's no hard and fast definition of whether or not you have a, a problematic porn use, but there are ways to tell based off of certain signs. So one of them is if you find yourself getting into more and more extreme mm -hmm. things that might be out of alignment with your ethical values, your interests, whatever, or just more and more extreme. If you need that kind of extremeness mm -hmm. and you see it getting more extreme over time, that's one sign that you're developing a dependence and getting desensitized to it. So if you're still fine with the watching the missionary old videos, then you're fine. Then, then I'm curious. Unless that's your, you're getting more and more extreme missionary. But like if you're, <laughs> again, there's no hard and fast rule. But like if you're watching, you know, once a week or once every few days and you open up Pornhub and you find the first video and you're just like, um, like I'm just going to watch this video and I'm going to watch it from start to finish. Mm -hmm. And that's the only video I need. That's a good sign. Mm. If you're like most people and you're typing in your keywords and you're like scrolling through and saying, oh, is this the hottest missionary girl or is that mm. the hottest missionary girl? And, and you're, it's like a hunt, right? Right, right, Where right. Where you're searching for the same way people kind of use dating apps these days. It's like, where's yeah, the unicorn, yeah. huh? You know, yeah, and you yeah. become a zombie where you're like scrolling through. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. That's again another sign of like, Or maybe, and then the also like instead of watching the the beautiful storyline of the <laughs> porn video, which most porn videos have beautiful storylines, yeah, like very sensual, a lot yeah. of foreplay, <laughs> a lot of communication, <laughs> very good acting skills. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, so you fast forward it, fast forward, and you just get to that the the to favorite the favorite like. position. Exactly, yeah. like I like doggy style, so yeah. let me just you know yeah. fast forward into the doggy just style. Just right, doggy. Exactly. <laughs> That's even. I mean, no. <laughs> but this is how you know modern porn tube sites uh, it's like you search for your keyword terms and so also what happens is you get highly like the thing that turns you on becomes narrower and narrower mm -hmm, mm -hmm. where it's almost like you need you know a blonde girl with double d breasts you know wearing a mini skirt and that's the only thing that will really turn you on right, right, right. you get more and more perfectionistic or selective and narrow 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 down exactly. to what you, what you like as opposed to being like open to oh my yeah. gosh i can be attracted to everyone so which can harm uh when it goes uh to a real life so in real life mm -hmm. you actually can met, meet someone who have this amazing connection and you are attracted to their personality and then just because they don't look like your favorite porn star <laughs> it's like sorry exactly and that's yeah. a common thing people are saying it, a lot of the clients i work with where they're like Yeah, you know, they met this amazing person. And maybe it even did fit in line with what they like, mm -hmm. but then they get bored. Because, again, their brain is addicted to the novelty. Right, right, right. They're like, oh, I need something new. Even though there's nothing wrong, they're fully attracted. It might be the picture perfect of what they want. They're mm -hmm. like, ah, I need something new, right? So that's another one of the ways that it can affect people. So how many people you worked so far with? Do you know? I mean, it depends on if you're talking about direct one-on-one -on -one clients that I've worked with or people that have gone through my courses or, you know, seen my mm, resources. So you have courses which they can kind of exactly. pay for and then just go through the course. Exactly. And they don't really need, need you or... Yeah. Okay. I mean, the best, like, if, if people really want, you know, to that extra level support, working with me is the best way. Mm -hmm. But going through the course teaches them what they need to know about recovering from addiction. Because right, right, it's right. not... The biggest mistake that people think is that they just need to stop watching porn and they try to use willpower. They just like, okay, let me just stop watching. And if I can get to 30 days then I'll be fixed. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. The truth is real recovery takes a lot more. Right. Because the thing is addiction. It, I'm not against porn. I'm not against anything. It's about I'm against addiction. And right, addiction right. is a response to pain. It's an escape mechanism. Yeah. Just most, like anything, yeah. most people aren't watching porn because they're horny. They're watching porn because they don't want to be stressed. 
Mm. They want to switch off. You know, they just want to not think and they just want to be distracted. And so you have to do the inner work of building, you know, that inner power, the inner fulfillment so that you don't reach out to porn. Right. And then I think one of the misconceptions probably out there is that is it, mm, is it me being horny and uh, watching the porn, finding that escapism, or is it me, like, when, when someone, porn associates, especially for men, I, don't, I, don't know, I can't speak for women, for men associates with uh, jerking off, mm-hmm. right? So you watch porn, you, know, and then you don't watch, like, just a film, you know? It's like taking notes, which I usually do when I watch a film. <laughs> it's like, ooh, that's... that's yes, that was a good stunt. That's uh, what happened, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, talking about porn, they have a lot of stunts in there. Um, but, um, yeah, I would be, like, let's say... If I watch porn, I would be uh, I would be jerking off. Mm-hmm. I love when I talk about this right now. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Renards <laughs> podcast, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> we talk about everything, <laughs> and um, but then if you jerk off without porn, so that's considered to be healthy. I would say uh, so. What I tell my clients, especially in the beginning, if somebody's addicted to porn and they're trying to break free, is allow yourself to masturbate without porn. Right. I think it's. I mean, there are, there's a lot of really interesting stuff around semen retention, you know, self-mastery around that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. like learning how to, to go through periods where you're practicing that kind of practice. But in the beginning, I tell my clients, look, if you're horny enough to masturbate without porn, go for it. Right. Because it's a sign that you're actually horny. If you need the porn in order to masturbate, it's a sign that you're just trying to escape. Right, 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 right. Because yeah, thinking about my experience, I would be I could I could masturbate without uh, porn if I haven't uh, kind of masturbated for a while or whatever. But yeah, if you if you do watch porn for quite often, then masturbation without porn is just doesn't doesn't happen. That I like th- there's a word masturbation instead of always saying jerking off. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds more uh, refined. Yes, more I, I don't jerk off. I masturbate. <laughs> I masturbate. Because I'm a mas- master of turbulence. Masturbate. <laughs> That's how it came. Yeah. What? <laughs> and um, yeah, and that, then this other thing straight away I can ask you. I don't know if this is like uh, your field or not. But the whole idea about ejaculation and like how unhealthy it actually can be for mm-hmm. men. So as far as I know, and hearing like from the uh, multi-orgasmic man, that mm-hmm. is a book which I started reading, but it was so boring. Yeah. But the whole idea <laughs> understood that it was basically masturbation is not very good. Uh, I mean, ejaculation is not very good. Yeah. Masturbating to get to the point like you're almost ejaculating, you know, that's kind of good, whatever. And then they teach you all these ways, and that yeah. comes from uh, Asia, from yeah. uh, like speci- specifically from, from China, yeah. I think. Yeah, and they practice all that, and then men can actually uh, mul- being multi orgasmic as well right. as just like women, but they just need to train and practice how yeah. to do it. So, and then there was I remember there was kind of an age graph when mm-hmm. like from how often you can masturbate. Yeah, from like yeah. Uh, you know uh, puberty till like twenty. There's that amount, and then for as older you get, as less ejaculation yeah. would be uh, good for your body. But then here you go, and, and this is uh, something I remember. I, I was listening to Joe Rogan's podcast, and he was talking about that as well. And I kind of can agree to that. Like, sometimes I want to masturbate because I feel, as you said, like, it takes your mind away. But also, like, I feel a little bit stressed or whatever. And mm-hmm. every time I would actually ejaculate, I would feel like, oh, I'm calming down yeah, yeah. and that's kind of good for me. But then at the same time, they say like, it's not good for you. So where do you stand on this? Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you brought it up. I, 
there's a lot of beauty and a lot of truth. People are always happy when I bring up about me masturbating and ejaculating. <laughs> <That's> I'm so <laughs> happy that you talked about yourself <laughs> masturbating because I would really like to comment on it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this is so good. Semen <laughs> uh, retention. So, and multi-orgasmic. So what it is is, there is there's a lot of truth that like if you're masturbating too much, mm-hmm. it, it, and we all know it, the moment you ejaculate and you release, you feel this like, uh, you know, yeah. it, it, you feel relaxed, you feel calm, but it also kind of takes away your energy, yeah. your power. It's not you're not going to jump into a boxing ring and you know fight ten rounds. That's right why that. fighters are not allowed, and all the athletes, exactly. any athlete, high level athletes, are not allowed to ejaculate before like five or six days, exactly. or whatever. So. The question that I like to ask is, you know, whether or not you've gone to an extreme mm-hmm. where is the extreme that you've gone to having detrimental effects for other reasons. Mm-hmm. And what I see is it's beneficial to try it out, to practice, to, to do a 30 day semen retention challenge, you know, just for your own self-awareness and, and self-mastery. But a lot of guys who are trying to break free from porn and taking on semen retention at the same time end up being too high strung about it mm-hmm. where they en- end up getting like like almost OCD and like shaming themselves if they do ejaculate yeah, yeah, where yeah. it's just like dude relax like yeah. go masturbate you know it's okay mm-hmm. you don't have to be this like Spartan god that you know never touches his genitals right, right. and and it's like I think having a, a middle ground approach where you're, you're not looking at porn three hours a day every day but you also don't have to be like this semen retention Taoist yeah. master. What's the moderation? Like moderation in anything. For basically. masturbation? <laughs> hey, look at you. Doing so well. I'm so proud of you. <laughs> Sorry, for jerking off. Um, you know, it's like there's no, it's like you just have to figure it out for yourself. But still, there's scientifically, I mean, like, as far as I understand, like, mm. I was actually recently looked it up because uh, me and my, yeah. my lady were wondering, um, so what exactly the semen uh, consists of, right? Yeah, so, yeah. Well, the product you ejaculate. So the sperm of it is only, like, very, very tiny, tiny yeah, part yeah. of it. Rest of it is these super um, valuable minerals and vitamins mm-hmm. and all of that. And that's what they say, like, and you, before that you would just, you think it's a joke, like, oh, if you, if a girl swallows man's or the man swallows other man's uh, semen, <laughs> uh, then uh, they would, it's like uh, drinking a, a protein shake. So, right. so it's very like nutritious and all that yeah. stuff. Like, so, and then, you know, a lot of guys were just like, yeah, yeah you should do it. Because that's why, and, and girls are like, oh, you just made it up. It's not real. <laughs> um, but it's, it's real. So yeah. that means that you losing all of that good stuff out of your body. So now the question is like, how long it takes to regenerate uh, that? Yeah. How much energy that takes? And... Um, um, yeah, so totally. is there like a certain certain like pure, certain, yeah. certain amount of times a week? Is it like when what they said in that multi-orgasmic man in that book? So like for this age, this amount of times a week? And yeah. what do you think? Personally, so again, I'm not a, an expert in this. I'm not a Taoist mm-hmm. master, and I'm I'm not a you know multi-orgasmic male that's having full body kind of orgasms mm-hmm. and transmuting my sexual energy in that way. Um, there are people that that do do that. To me, I don't know, but I don't really care. Because, mm. again, I just see how many people are getting so high-strung about trying to do that right. that, for me, it's healthier to say, listen, I might not be... Like, if you're a peak athlete, you know, if you're competing for world championships, maybe this is something you want to look into. If you're just a normal person that's trying to live a healthy life, 
I think it's better to live in a balanced way. It's like, for example, with nutrition. Is it probably better to never have any kind of sugar or any mm -hmm. processed food? It's like, yeah, probably. Probably just eat, you know, just meat and some fruits, and that's probably the healthiest thing. Mm -hmm. But how many people I see getting into, like, mental health issues because they have one piece of chocolate, and they're like, oh, my God, I'm a horrible person. It's like, dude. That's crazy. Go yeah. have a fucking cookie. You know, yeah. relax a bit because so many people are so high strung yeah. and it's like if you have that passion, if you have that interest, if you want to practice semen retention, go for it. Mm. But I'd say it's much better to like learn how to be balanced in your mm. approach. It's just a question for them to yeah. to identify when it's too much. That's kind of a yeah. like. So how do you know? It's probably you know when you if you think about it all like all the time like yeah. oh I'm gonna masturbate like obviously that's something unhealthy. Yeah. And how do you know? And also when you talked about athletes, so do, what do you think about this um, concept that people who do train more they actually produce more semen or they are more sexually active what was the there's something again that's i think i heard whether joe rogan was talking about that but there's something to do when athletes because they there's more um uh certain hormone is produced mm. so Growth they hormone or something yeah like so they would more likely would be more horny or more that is that does that bring maybe but i've seen a lot of people who are like video gamers who never get off their desk chair who are horny as fuck oh, so okay. you know it's like right 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 yeah how to know if you're masturbating too much again all of this comes down to self-awareness mm. and, and this gets back to that question of like what are the uh, the effects of porn you have to start looking at your life and being aware because again a lot of the consequences are long term like mm -hmm. how you're treating the women in your life or in your partners some of these consequences you know it's like they're not immediate things but you have to have the self-awareness to see the patterns in your life like oh am i always leaving you know relationships because i get bored mm -hmm. even though the woman is perfect kind of thing and those are things that take self-awareness also noticing the effect on your concentration you know like one of the effects of porn is the mind fog the brain fog like you just you can't really focus as well and then when you go 30-day detox and stop watching porn you have all this clarity yeah right, you right. can think straight you know so all of this is like experimenting like experiment with semen retention. Right. Experiment with giving up porn. Experiment with masturbating. Hallelujah, brother. You know? <laughs> <laughs> experiment with semen retention. Come on. Yeah. Okay, let's have a break. Let's have a break. We smashed one hour already. Nice. I was like, listen, baby, whatever you want, yeah. but you have to organize it. And I'm just going to be there, okay? Oh, She's really? Like, oh, yeah, that's the best <laughs> present ever. It's <laughs> like, fuck. <laughs> Okay, we are back. We back and we talk about porn, my favorite subject. Uh -huh. <laughs> um, okay, this is about uh, the last thing we we're talking about the um, uh, how to how to discipline yourself and look at that and 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 figuring out when it's too much and when is something not right. And I actually thought about straight away the question: What do you think about when couples who've been together mm. for a longer period of time, they feel there's, um, mm. you know, there's not no not the spark, but there's just like they lose that lust kind of to each other, and yeah. and then some of them, I, which I never done, which I'm honestly never done, that I, if I would be sleeping with my girl, I would be watching porn at the same time. Mm. So I never done that before, but some couples experiment with that. And what do you think about that? Yeah. Yeah, so I'm glad you brought this up because I, I want to make sure it's clear for the people listening. Like, again, I have nothing against porn. 
I think some people use it in a healthy way, particularly women. Actually, there's some fascinating research about the difference between how porn affects men and how it affects women. And I think we live in a society where, for many women, their sexuality is suppressed yeah. for a lot yeah, of different yeah, yeah. reasons. And porn can actually be a benefit to help them, you know, embrace their sexuality, open up their sexuality. Um, and the studies have shown that it can actually help them feel more attracted to their partner. Mm. The more porn a woman watches, she will feel, you know, more interested in being with really? her partner. Uh, in general, yeah. the average, you know, <clears throat> not, not every case. Whereas the, the research shows the opposite is true. The more porn a man watches, the less interested he is in being with his partner, mm. in being with a, a woman. Um, so it's just, it's important to understand the difference between how it affects men and women because you know, to be honest, I get a lot of pushback from women when I'm saying, hey, porn addiction this, porn addiction that. And a lot of women are like, how dare you say this about porn addiction? It's weird. Because you would think that women would be like, yeah, porn is so harmful and it's disrespectful. So women actually say porn is good. Like, watch as much as you can. Is that what you're saying? It's it's very nuanced. Because some what women... What kind of women are you hanging <laughs> out with? <laughs> well, it's very interesting. Because some women are like, know what kind of porn is out there. And they're like, thank God somebody's talking about this. Because this is okay. not what we want in bed this is not real intimacy not mm. every woman wants to be choked and slapped and called a slut kind of thing mm. um, just some of them just some of them <laughs> and that's true some women really like that yeah you know and i want to like kink is a thing and it's like mm -hmm. some people are into that but the thing and this gets back to the topic about young kids is like the problem is is that 95 percent of the porn on places like Pornhub is abusive degrading and violent towards women right right and that's when a 10 year old boy starts watching porn and he's seeing that every day for the next 10 years. And if they don't have a proper sex education. Exactly, which nobody does. Yeah. Their sex education comes from porn. And so they're thinking, oh, girls like to be Spanked, choked, choked yeah. slapped, you know, like all the horrible shit that they see because they're getting into all that kind of stuff. Not only that, I talked about this on my Instagram once that like not a single porn video that I've ever seen has a girl said no to sex. Mm-hmm. Now, what does that do to the minds right. of a boy who's watching porn for 10 years and thinking girls are always interested? Right. They're always ready. Yeah. I don't yeah. need to do foreplay. They always want to have and sex. And basically, that, that's where the problem with not even understanding the boundaries of con con consensual Consent. sex. Exactly. Because yeah. young girls are watching this too. Imagine a young 10-year-old girl watching porn and never seeing a girl speak up for herself. Right. Never seeing right. a girl say, hey... I'm not into that or right. please don't let alone like saying no, like even just communicating about what they want. So many girls and women have problems asking for what they want in sex mm -hmm. and communicating mm -hmm. because the modeling isn't there. They don't know. They think, how can I, you know, tell a guy to do something differently? I've, I've never seen that yeah. in any video I've watched. So this is the problem with porn is that it's influencing what we're expecting in a way that's just not reality. Mm -mm -mm -mm. It's the fantasy, which is a fantasy. You know, some fantasy sees include. Yeah, but you see, this is interesting stuff. Okay, yeah. so then, then the thing what they have to be changing is that uh, these young people shouldn't have that access to these por porn movies. Not necessarily. Be yeah, because uh, the way I look at it, just like when I was saying about violent films, like yeah. horror films or, or like the... Um, 
a violent uh, killing and heads blowing right. up and stuff. So that's where they, um, when they have mass shootings, they blame these kind of violent right. films, right? right? Or, so or video games where people video are games. Then music. Marilyn Manson. How many times he's been um, uh, accused of someone su- uh, doing suicide because listening to their music? When uh, the, the music says, "Oh, kill yourself," whatever, yeah. whatever that is. So we basically, and the same also with weapons. Like there's so many things, you know, like the gun gun laws in in states. Like, well, I want to have gun laws or I want to have guns because I want to protect myself. But then they should have a, a stricter um, kind of a selection who should have those guns, right? And that's where the problem starts. So it's the selection of who should be watching and who should not be watching. So, but the the problem here, especially nowadays, when we have all the pocket devices mm-hmm. and whatever, and even if you block your son's phone, there's going to be a, a some other boy in a school mm-hmm. or somewhere in a, a football practice who's going to be like, look, that's that's the porn there, you know? Yeah. And th- I think that is the massive problem which is very difficult to to tackle how the hell are you going to do it yeah you know like back in the days uh you know when i was getting interested into nakedness and stuff um i was watching <laughs> that was the most polite way to say you're looking at point i was getting interested in nakedness <laughs> very camp as well <laughs> um and uh you know, growing up in a small town in Latvia, I remember the first time was actually it was a public uh, public uh, bath. We had a public bath, uh-huh. and because I was very young, so my mom sometimes would take with the with the ladies because yeah. there's boys and girls, and you know. Yeah, yeah. And then I just saw so much nakedness. I was like, "What's going on?" But I was too young to like kind of sexualize. You know, yeah, yeah, exactly. But then you know, no phones, nothing. I th- the first I had a black and white TV where I would be watching the erotica, mm-hmm. uh, and it was only in Saturday nights, and I should be at 11 o'clock, they would show the erotica movie, right? And, you know, you can see a nipple or whatever, yeah. but, you know, that was that was very exciting for me. And I remember I didn't even have a remote control for my TV, so I had, I concocted this thing that uh, the two cables uh, click in, and I put it under my be- under my pillow, and then because my mom, she would <laughs> know, yeah, so she would know that she could hear that I'm watching something, yeah. And then she would, I could just hear steps do do because she caught me a couple of times before yeah. that, right? And then I would jump up and try to turn the shit out. And yeah. she's like, what are you doing? And then I was like, one day I turned my head around. It was like the super MacGyver mode. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to make this, done, you know? And then I literally had this thing under my pillow and I would just like unplug it. And she would come in like, oh, what's going on? I was like, um, so this is what, how I was, you know, getting into that. And in, and almost for in that age, even I would say, like, well, my parents would say, like, oh, you guys, you're watching all these naked movies. This is crazy. But now it's way too crazy. Yeah. I don't... It's, yeah, it's too crazy. I mean, and that's the thing. It's the, the invention of high-speed internet porn has changed the game. Back when it was, like, nude magazines and even just, like, VHS tapes, it was a different game. Yeah. But now, like, one of the... There, there's a, something called the three A's of porn addiction, which is like these three things that make porn highly addictive. The accessibility is one, so you can just get it anywhere. Yep. The affordability, it's free. Right. Not all drugs are free, right? And then the um, anonymity, right? right? So it's like you can just do it anywhere. And in particular, the the infinite variety of what exists and the fact that it's getting highly skewed towards things that are more taboo or titillating or exciting. Mm, like mm, mm. The, the crazy amount of choking, slapping, anal, stepsister porn mm-hmm. and stepmother porn. It's like, mm-hmm. like it's just moving in that direction. You and just counted all my favorites. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was just looking at your browser history. 
stepsister does anal <laughs> while getting choked. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> wow. But yeah, this, sorry, <laughs> folks. This is an X-rated podcast. It's gonna be pee 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 pee. pee. <laughs> That's the podcast. Fifty percent is just beeps. Yeah, just beeps. <laughs> yeah. But hey, for those of you out there, this is what porn is like. Yeah, it's like and exactly, and people have to talk about it. That's yeah. the thing. Like we just sit in our darkness and we're watching all of that, but no one talks about yeah. it. And here's the thing. It's like you talked about earlier, like, well, people have always been making these arguments of like, oh, well, mass shootings, that's because video games. And it's maybe there's truth to that. But the question is, does that apply to this case? Like, and it does. The fact is we're seeing these kind of sexual behaviors in teens and preteens. Mm. You know, preteens are going to their school counselors talking about how they were pressured into anal sex and they don't know what to do. And like mm. doctors are seeing an increased amount of young girls coming in with anal injuries wow which is insane like like thousand fold percent increase That's crazy. in young girls yeah. and it's because of what people are seeing in porn and thinking is normal and natural mm. and or maybe in those areas just the catholic churches are very strong because <laughs> it doesn't count sex if it's anal <laughs> oh no that's a very old thing people people just as yeah. old as catholics yeah <laughs> Yeah, that is um, that is crazy, and like you know, giggles there, giggles here. But when you have your own kids, and exactly, you know, um, that is that is something very different. Yeah, I mean, and the question is like, what do we do about it? We don't really know. We know that education is mm. the best thing. Like, you can't ban something. You can't just make porn illegal because one, it won't work. You know, it'll just go underground. Um, you just need to educate people. You know. To teach kids that, hey, this is not reality, this is fantasy. And to have better sex education. Mm. And and teach kids about what... Uh, one of the biggest issues with porn is it just doesn't teach young boys and girls about what healthy intimacy looks like. And it's interesting. You know, certain, certain countries, they have certain like old school dogmas also are based on religious stuff. Mm. I have examples. So when I used to work as a stripper back in the UK, uh, one of our dancers, uh, he was a high school teacher. Mm-hmm. And uh, very intelligent, very interesting guy. His dad actually is also the um, the head teacher in one of the schools, like always, always been. And so he was de- uh, performing with us, and uh, like uh, as you know, Magic Mike show, right? So mm. they uh, we were performing like we just undressed to our shorts. So it was like cabaret kind of thing, mm-hmm. uh, thing. And but he would go full Monty, so he mm-hmm. he would. And uh, he would be the ending of the first or second half. But also he did porn, mm-hmm. right? And someone found out about this in, in the school. And, uh, you know, obviously told uh, uh, told to whatever uh, the boss is. Yeah, administration. Yeah. And they fired him straight away. Mm. And then his dad, who is being a head teacher for so many years, he's like, you can fight this. There's no law saying mm. that you're not, you're not should be, yeah, yeah, and all that. And uh, Benedict, um, and yeah, great shout out. He's an f- amazing guy. I love him. And uh, he basically went and fought for it, mm. and he won. Yeah. And he won, and uh, they said, like, well, you can come back and teach. And he's like, fuck you, I'm not coming here back. Yeah, yeah. Um, but there was, like, a lot. And, and then when he won that case, he became a very nationally, f- like, well-known. Like, he would go all these talk shows, and he would really, like, I fight for people's rights and like you know why why porn for example is is having such a bad rap and this is the thing he, now he lives in uh, Amsterdam actually he mm. got married and he moved there and uh, how in uh, Holland they have their rules and their perception of porn is so different it's mm-hmm. so normalized mm-hmm. so and because uh, 
and and then at the same time in 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 uh, Holland they would have way less cases of rape and all that mm-hmm. and all that because but they also as I understand they do talk about the sexual education and all those things but porn is available and it's not a taboo mm-hmm. but then in countries like UK where there's like no that's big no no yeah. that's devil that's all of right. that and that's where these kids are suppressing this stuff yeah. and then they go lose their shit yeah. so there's so 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 much to unpack there like the places where it's suppressed where sexuality is suppressed is where addiction is the worst mm. you know it's like in the places where it's celebrated places because i live in amsterdam you know and yeah, yeah, yeah you know places where sexuality is celebrated and you let go of the shame of sexuality is when you can actually have a healthy relationship to it and i i totally agree with like again i'm not against porn and i actually you know it's like w- one of my close friends is an escort and i actually am pro sex workers i mm-hmm. think sex work is actually something you know that people can actually benefit from it's like mm-hmm. m- you know going to a massage or something it's healing to mm-hmm. have that human to human interaction it's the craziness of what's going on in the porn industry and how people don't know how to regulate themselves around it that's the issue mm-hmm. so there's nothing a- against you know porn actors or actresses if people want to make their own porn or or do that it's whether or not people have the emotional tools to regulate themselves in this thing that is potentially highly addictive you mm-hmm. know it has the accessibility the affordability and the anonymity and the potential for becoming addicted to it where we need to give people resources for how to use it in a healthy way mm-hmm. if they're going to use it it's like sugar you know it's like we need there's nothing we shouldn't ban sugar porn is exactly like sugar it is um, yeah yeah it's like it's cookies you like know? cookies porn and, and cookies the same <laughs> <laughs> I actually really feel this way, though. It's like, I don't have anything against it. It's like, but if you're using it too much, if you're eating too much sugar, it's not good for you. Interesting about, you mentioned about escort. So I have another friend also was uh, in the stripping industry and he was doing escort. Mm. And, uh, but he was, I was like, really, it was so interesting. So he said, I started as normal escort, whatever, but then he, he had a specific um kind of a niche so he would go to disabled people some of them never had sex in Mm. their lives and then he he's he created that as his mission to help these people to actually explore their sexuality or to to even try the the being sexual and stuff and uh and he said like i was like felt like i was doing therapy i was like healing them i was like i was like obviously it so it makes total sense, yeah. but like, how many people out there would go like, I'm gonna go and do this kind of stuff? And yeah. he would go also to very old people, someone yeah. who haven't had sex like in 30 years wow. or something. It's like, that's beautiful. Yeah, I really, you know, it's like here's the one of the things we need human connection. Mm. We need intimacy. Yeah. We need physical touch, and people aren't getting that, you know. And so, you know, like your friend and. I think escorts are actually doing a very valuable role of like mm. giving people. Again, you can also get addicted to escorts, and that's an issue. But, but you can get addicted, you can to, get anything. addicted to anything. Yeah, exactly. But anything, you know, it's just it's. But so some things are more addictive than others. Yeah, you know what's fascinating though, like in in the U.S., for example, where prostitution is illegal, por- making porn is not illegal. But you can start from sixteen. Is it? What making porn? Yeah. Probably. You can't drink from 21. You have to yeah. uh, t- wait till 21 to have beer, but you can do porn. Yeah. That's what they were talking about. But like what's crazy is it's essentially the same thing. Just in one of them, you have a camera in the corner of the room. Mm. You could be a prostitute and be like, oh, no, 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 we're making porn and just put a camera in there and be like, you know, 
I, it's, it's literally legal. the same. Like, oh my people God. who who don't have a problem with porn, but for some reason have a problem with prostitution, are not thinking straight. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Well, Americans in general, they're not very well known for st- thinking straight. That's true. Just saying. <laughs> no offense to my countrymen, but we aren't. For those of you who are in the U.S. who have never been outside the U.S., we're not really seen as like yeah, the, uh, this yeah. camera. Yeah, you we're can not there all the time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I like how we're dressing. The whole room is that it's, camera. It's, <laughs> you guys are not. Um, oh, wow. But you know, it's like one of the reasons I love talking about this is there's so much nuance to this topic around porn and addiction and sex work and. Mm. And digital habits, and there's so many conversations that we need to have around it, but we're just not having. So understanding that we can't really for forbid and and close up the porn shop. Um, do you think there will be something done towards changing it? So as you say, like you know, is there too much anal, too much choking, whatever? But obviously, they make those things just because there's demand. Yeah. If there's no, there wouldn't be demand. They wouldn't make them. Yeah. So. But it's like the cigarette industry. It's like where we are now with the porn industry is like where we were 40 years ago or whatever it was with the cigarette and tobacco industry. Yeah, we have posters of porn everywhere (laughs) with John Wayne in the cowboy hat having anal. I mean, apparently, (laughs) like Pornhub does all these PR events where they're like hosting parties and like doing shit and making it. They're like selling Pornhub as a brand. I saw that we did stand-up comedy here in in Deus. I saw this girl just massive t-shirt, all big sign, porn hub on her yeah, t-shirt yeah. just walking in like hey guys what's up and this is the thing it's like it's being advertised and it's being introduced to young kids like back in the day the tobacco industry was trying to advertise yeah. to, to young kids to get new it calms users. your nerves yeah <laughs> and the same is being done you know now yeah. with the porn industry it's being promoted to teens and to, to young kids so the question is like what's going to happen i do think there are going to be some more regulations yeah, yeah. From just like the with cigarettes exactly yeah not to you know completely ban it outright but maybe like you know on a cigarette box it says this is bad for your lungs mm-hmm. it's like maybe there's going to be similar things <laughs> you know it's like in front of every porn video there's going to be like this video is bad for your penis <laughs> something you know um or, or better like age checks like in yeah, the u.s yeah. right now you, you just log on you just yeah. you know you just go pornhub.com yeah but you have a little sign going on are you 18 years old yes yeah, yeah. <laughs> so what are you gonna get yeah that, that little checkbox really does a great that, job it's amazing yeah. yeah we got it yeah got it figured out no innovation needed n- none at all to be honest i don't know what's gonna happen in the future and i don't really know what the solution is like for me you know i'm working you know with adults and people who recognize they have mm. a problem because that's the thing is once you even recognize you have a problem, it's not simple to break free. Of course not. You know, it's like you can know, holy shit, this is not good for my relationships. It's not good for my life. I'm wasting time on it. But it's still really challenging to stop because for many people, it's a crutch. You know, it's their escape mechanism. And talking about so the clients you had in the past, um, how many clients you would have who or did you have any clients who would be doing like... Um, what they call the, the um, uh, not just watching porn, but they in- have the interactional porn, like when they actually on a on a oh, ca- like camera, a back cam and stuff like that. Yeah, is that a big percentage of like your clients and people you? Not really. I mean, it, it's some of them, but you know, it's just people wasting a lot of time on mm. it. A lot of the people I work with, like, you know, I, I tend to work with more entrepreneurs, business owners, you know, right. professionals, and they're people who are just realizing like even if it weren't for all the ways that it's fucking with their brain, it's just wasting 
precious time. But the webcams, while I was mentioning about yeah. that, it's very, very expensive. So yeah. the webcam, if they do that, so that is like a gambling addiction. Yeah. So you can just lose all your money and yeah. just having that addiction. And I actually have a friend of mine as well who uh, uh, I kind of didn't really thought about him and just remembered when I mentioned the webcam. He's addicted in that and he wasted so much money. Yep. And then he said like he's a, a porn di- addict and so he would also pay for escorts or, or yeah. prostitutes and stuff like that. Yeah. So it can be any of the ways that it takes money away. It can be that it, you know, you end up going to escorts. It can be webcams. It can be OnlyFans. It's just mm. like any of the ways that you can get out of control with your spending. But the great thing is that there's so many options for us to choose from. <laughs> yeah. OnlyFans, There's so webcams. many flavors. Yeah. 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 It's just like buying an ice cream nowadays. You yeah. just go, there's like 150 different flavors. Yeah. We're actually talking about ice cream. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just go back, watch the whole episode again, and just replace every time we say porn with ice say cream. Say ice cream. Young kids are getting into ice cream these days. <laughs> That's a good one. Um, we went to ice cream place. Um, uh, so those who may be here in Bali, Perinanan in that area. Mm-hmm. And there was this, I never tried ice cream like that. I forgot the name of it. But it was like, it wasn't that many flavors, like maybe 12 flavors. Uh-huh. But all of them were so original and so tasty. I was like, whoa. Where is this place? I'm going to let you know. Yeah, after yeah. the show okay. uh, yeah that place was insane and we went there at around 11 o'clock and it was open and prayer now yeah mm. really good ice cream yeah people check out the ice cream that was um, my little um, bit from my stand up about Perinanan and, and the song it's great that I explained my shit <laughs> it's <laughs> okay. always worse you've lost the rest of us <laughs> yeah, so it's I good that you're trying to explain there you go. okay let's go back to porn <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay, I ask you different kind of questions, and obviously I'm, I don't know much about it and what to ask you. Do you want to tell me something, and what, what do you find as the like the biggest challenges for you to working with people? What do you, mm. How do you feel? Um, what do you think, um, like people like you, to be a coach in this, how to get your training? How mm. do you, yeah, tell us about that. Yeah. Gosh, where do I begin? Start with training. Let's say like how, so what did, what, so your background, just tell us a yeah. little bit more again and remind me of your background, what was helpful for what yeah. you do now. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I guess we didn't talk about any of that. No. Like, So my background really is in meditation. So mm-hmm. when I realized I had a porn addiction, in a, it wasn't just porn addiction, I realized that like the way I was living my life wasn't bringing me any fulfillment or happiness. Mm-hmm. You know, I was, a stellar student, you know, setting the curves on all my exams. I had a lot of friends, captain of a sports team. You know, I was like doing really well in life. But what I kind of sports? Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Oh, shit. Yeah. What belt are you? Blue belt. I stopped basically after college. Wait, what was it? I know. <laughs> <laughs> this was back in the day before it was popular. Oh, okay. So okay, okay. back then, blue belt was like, oh, shit. Yeah. It was like, yeah. Okay. These sorry. days, it's like. Yeah. Your grandma can have a blue belt. <laughs> um, but back then, I was the top dog. You were the dog. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay. Um, but anyway, so I, you know, I was doing well athletically, academically, all this stuff. And, you know, like my life on the outside looked like it was great, but mm-hmm. on the inside, I was always, you know, anxious, insecure. You know, always like uh, horny, and you know, never felt like I had enough. And, like always, very kind of slutty, but not fulfilled. Like, but around eighteen, that's like kind of everyone. 21, 22, yeah, yeah, 19, 20. Still, that's fine. But what I realized is, like, I was successful at everything I put my mind to, but Mm -hmm. it wasn't bringing me 
it wouldn't actually make a difference. Right. I would achieve the thing. I was like, oh, yeah, I got that thing. And then I was like, uh, it didn't really make a difference. Yeah. What else do I need to do? And I realized that, like, I didn't know what actually what happiness really was mm. and what actually made people happy. So I got really interested in this topic of what is happiness and is it even possible? So I started reading these books and I found this book, uh, one of the ones I, I mentioned on my list called Happiness. By yeah, we can talk about it later. You're not allowed to talk about it. Now. All right. Yeah, skip it. I'll <laughs> just say that it got me into meditation mm -hmm. and Buddhist philosophy. And the, the main thing that got me into it was realizing, like, happiness and inner fulfillment are skills that you can train and you can actually like depending on how you're relating to what you have that's where your happiness is two people can have the same piece of chocolate cake and one person will be you know a karen and say fuck this it's not mm -hmm. organic enough whatever and be miserable mm -hmm. and another person might be starving and say oh my god like i'm so grateful that i finally have food to nourish myself with mm-hmm And how you relate to what you have is so much more important for your happiness than what you have. It's not to say that what you have isn't important. You need things, food, clothing, shelter, all that. But how you relate to what's happening is more important than anything else. Because mm -hmm. you can have all the riches in the world, and if you don't know how to appreciate it, you'll be miserable. Mm -hmm. So anyways, that got me into meditation. I ended up going to India, started doing these things called Vipassana retreats. Um, these kind of 10-day silent meditation retreats, and those changed my life because I realized that was a way I could train my mind to be happier mm -hmm. and to break free from some of the compulsive behaviors I had, not just around porn, but just around unhappiness, you know, judgment, yeah, 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 you know, yeah. whatever it is. I, like I reactions to, again, like yeah, those just my habitual reactions, things, yeah. whether I'm like, this isn't good enough, instead to say, wow, I'm so grateful that I am where I am. Right. So... Ended up doing a lot of Vipassana retreats, a lot of these, and, you know, training as a Buddhist monk in Myanmar, started teaching meditation. So the background is really in meditation. Are you a monk? I was a monk. No, what? Did you take your cloth out, that's it? Yeah, You're done? it's called disrobing. Really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Disrobing, in that's like the title of my sex <laughs> tape. <laughs> oh, shit! <laughs> Comes full <laughs> circle. <laughs> disrobing. Uh, yeah. <laughs> It's, yeah, but basically that you, you can ordain as a monk and yeah. then you disrobe is when you're like saying, okay, I'm going back to the lay life. Yeah. Um, and they give you all your... Your, your um, shit back. Your like uh, passwords to your porn. Exactly. <laughs> like, here's your bookmarks again. Username. Yeah, yeah. Um, How long did you do that? How long were you monk? The monk, just a, just a month. So just one month? Yeah. Oh, okay. So I was going to Myanmar for a month-long silent retreat. Mm -hmm. So a month, no speaking... No writing, no reading. How was that? It was amazing. Yeah. Was how incredible. was the first couple of days? I mean, at that point, I had already done like 15 Vipassana retreats. Oh, okay. And so it's like, I knew what I was expecting. Oh, okay, okay. So, so it like wasn't I, totally new. Yeah, it wasn't new at all. <coughs> it was The only thing different was this one was going to be a little bit longer, and I was going to shave my head, and yeah. which I didn't have much to shave. But, yeah. you know, then I put on some ropes and took the vows and stuff. Um, how long ago was this? 2017. 2018, five, six, six years ago. Yeah, something like that. So that basically changed changed your kind of life's trajectory. Well, the meditation retreat started 13 years ago. That's mm. what changed. The becoming a monk, that was like, yeah. I was already well on yeah, my path. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, that it really was. This is the PR thing. It was. It was kind of like, yeah, it'd be nice <laughs> to be I just want to have that video it. just roping yeah, myself. My, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Upload it to OnlyFans. <laughs> <laughs> Jeremy finally disrobes. <laughs> Um, oh my god! Finally, yeah. <laughs> anyway, so 
my background of you know really helping people comes from my meditation practice but then eventually got trained uh, as a coach got icf is the international coaching federation so i did you know year-long training ended up getting certified and then accredited through the icf Mm -hmm. um and so now i do executive coaching so that's where my training comes from but a lot of it is also just my own research into addiction um, recovery habits you know what does it actually take to break free from an addiction because so uh, there's one study that just is so mind-blowing have you heard of the rat park experiment rat park experiment when they were um giving coke them and stuff yeah Getting morphine to the yeah rats. morphine or the uh, community so and then if they without community they're gonna choose the morphine uh, or if they with the community they rather choose community basically. and then the addiction doesn't really happen I think some of that something that like that line. so basically they they took these rats in cages and they were studying the effect of morphine and they found out if you put a rat in a cage and give it morphine in the water it'll sit and drink the morphine until it dies yeah because it's addicted but then this guy had this insight he's like well it's kind of a shitty life like what if we give them you know running wheels and other rats to play with and we give them kind of a nice environment and they did the same and gave them the morphine water and found out that they barely touched the Mm. water and what it shows is that it's not about the substance it's not about how addictive a substance is it's about what's going on in your life Mm -hmm. that makes you reach out for addiction so with porn it's the same thing like yeah porn's an addictive substance but Mm. if you want to break free you have to give yourself that kind of rat park Mm. you need social connections you need a sense of purpose and meaning you need you know all these other things that give you a life that you don't need to escape from Mm -hmm. so that's a really important part of recovery because that's what i say about the addicts anything alcohol drugs is um, another way to put it they don't want to face themselves yeah. So they 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 kind of run away also from themselves, and then if they have a community around them, then it's like and it takes their mind away. So they communicate with people, but then they by by themselves they're like, oh shit, like this is who I am. Let's watch porn. Let's uh, do other things. Yeah. <clears throat> and I think also porn is an amazing tool for pro- procrastinators. Yeah. I don't know if you, well, definitely you you heard that before. <laughs> yeah. And some probably some of your um, some of your patients would have that. But, like, I definitely, I can see, like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. What could I do? Oh, I, could, uh, I could do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> and, then, and then the best part is, like, when you get it done, you just kind of, even more like, oh, exactly. you have this even is less shit. Why did I? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Because I gave all my vitamins out. Exactly. <laughs> that's all the, the good the stuff. precious uh, phosphorus. Yeah, whatever. so that's why I just get it in a cup and then. <laughs> <laughs> you, put, you put your semen back in the cup and. <laughs> Save it for another day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my god. And once in a while, I think about those uh, uh, scenarios where some friends want to pull a prank on you, and they do something to you, but they don't tell you straight away. They show that you, yeah, or tell you like three months down the line. Yeah. So like, someone like by the way that that birthday cake that we yeah, gave you yeah, that slice of that icing. Yeah, and then we, without even saying, they just send you a video. Oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> That's how bad is my mind. I'm very naughty. Yeah. Uh, Should but I then be worried about what's in this water right now? No, it's just a roofie. Okay. Just a, yeah, yeah, just yeah. a normal thing. Yeah, yeah. ecstasy roofie. <laughs> yeah. Um, going to have fun tonight. Is that why all the cameras are... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. This is going to change into a different kind of table very quickly. Like, the, you see that white thing is going to fall down? Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> and then it's going to open the door. Who's your daddy? <laughs> Oh, my God. And then I will show you that video two yeah, months from now. Yeah, 
because coaching in general is interesting. I actually did a little bit training for life coaching mm. when I was in the UK, mainly because I was just very curious about kind of like what is behind it. Because a friend mm. of mine, she did the, uh, this course and quite expensive. It like cost like three or four thousand pounds. Well, mm-hmm. I felt it was expensive because I would never pay for some kind of course like this much of money. And I said, I, I arranged with them like, I'm going to pay you all of it. I'm going to pay you with like installments. Yeah. And if I decide I, st- I don't want to do it anymore, I can just walk away. And they're like, yeah, yeah. So I did like one third of it and I walked away. Nice. But um, these life coaches, these people just come from very fucked up backgrounds. And they're like, what should I do in my life? I'm not sure. I'm going to be a life coach. I'm going to tell other people yeah. how to live. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah. then you like, look at these losers. <clears throat> well, maybe not all hey, of them. Hey, we're in Bali. So yeah. there's a lot of them. Though. Oh, there's a lot of them. Yeah, there's yeah. <laughs> You throw a rock, you're going to get a Russian or a coach. Or if it's a Russian coach. <laughs> Russian <laughs> <Bonus>. life coach. <laughs> I teach you how to make potatoes too. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Come to my right. house. Um, we love Russians, by the way. Yeah, like, Russians are the best. Them. Yeah, we like they're the best. And um, and yeah, I just realized like anyone can do it. But, you know, obviously it's it doesn't matter. You know, you want to study new thing, uh, learn mm. new thing. And um, they kind of were saying that they are qualified and they mm. actually, if you graduate, they program then you qualify life life coach whatever that means because there's no no like strength there's no there's no place we said like well that's qualified life coach so he or she can teach you how to do these things so there kind of is and that's what the international coaching federation is and that's why when you're when you're applying for a coaching course you want to check is it accredited by the icf Mm. or not Mm-hmm. Because there's a lot of coaching programs out there where they'll be like, we'll train you to be a life coach mm-hmm. in, you know, this two-hour course that you take on Udemy, like, and you'll get your certificate. Anybody can get a certificate that says they're a coach, whether or not it's actually accredited by an institution right. that's reliable uh, is another thing. Because there's a lot of shitty things out there that, you know, will yeah. give people a certificate where they can say, hey, I'm a certified coach certified life coach yeah but in the same time like question is are they going to be following all those guidelines what they learned like because you can deviate and you can be totally whatever life coach you want to be yeah so let's say you are carrying that just like you yeah. graduate oxford university of economics right and you just go and and uh, now practicing law or yeah. business whatever that is but then you add all these other knowledge uh, other stuff what you have and then it's like almost saying for doctors, it's different, obviously. Like he's qualified doctor or he's uh, a lawyer who, who has been accepted by the bar or they, they, they have to be part of this bar, whatever yeah. thing is. And um, Why is and, that different, though? And that's, that's what I'm trying to figure out because I think this is more about when it really kind of matters when lives, <clears throat> the lives can be on a, on a line, like yeah. for doctors or for lawyers who can, like, you know, get you in a prison and yeah. this life sentence or, or whatever. Um, but this is the thing, it's a kind of gray area because I also believe someone who spent about seven years in academia, so I get my bachelor's degree, my master's degree, and who am I now? Am I a qualified businessman? No, right, I'm not. Right, right, right. I'm like, yeah, I have a couple kind of ideas and, and this piece of paper is going to help me if I'm going to look for work. But even anyone who is a wise um, employer, they would be like, yeah, but I want to know what's your experience. Tell exactly. me what is like, how you as a person, I don't give a fuck that you have that fancy paper. Yeah. So what does that prove? It proves that you just follow these rules and you uh, learn certain things and it can regurgitate them yeah. for like that period of time. That doesn't matter that you are the, the G. Yeah. In your cases, uh, like for coaches, as I understand, is the 
person who is your patient decides that after first three four whatever mm. uh, um, sessions. sessions they were like i think this works or yeah. i think it doesn't work or it helps me or it doesn't help me yeah so there's a couple of things to say one is you're totally right like somebody who has an icf certificate coaching certification there's no guarantee that they're going to be a good coach and in fact there's a lot of people with those certifications that aren't good coaches right so you you never know it is a good first sign to mm. know because it's a lot of training. It's, you know, many, many hours of coaching practice. There's, you know, you're going through module. It's not like a weekend mm -hmm. course where you like pop over to Ubud and, yeah, and yeah. they give you a stamp at the end of the thing. It's like you spend a year of your life. So it's a good sign that at least somebody has gone through the rigor of some training. And then the question is, after knowing that, can you then trust them? And there's a couple ways to know is one is try it out and, and see how you feel about them. Um, also, if the transformation that they're promising you is something that they've done before, you know they've been through it. So, for example, me breaking free from porn addiction, that's one thing. You, you work with a personal trainer who shows you their before and after photos mm -hmm. where they were fat, overweight, and, you know, obese or whatever, and now they're ripped and, you know, hopefully Yeah, but you can steroids. make up your sob story about you being addicted to porn. I could. Would There's I have no this much insight and <laughs> information? <laughs> <laughs> you, just lo you just love porn. Yeah. You just, I don't know. I'm not an addict. Yeah. I just liked it. But it's true. <laughs> the thing is, it's like... So here's the other thing that I, I would love to say about coaching, because I think it's important, mm -hmm. is that most people who want to be life coaches think that, you know, what it, be, what it means to be a coach is to tell people what to do. It's like, oh, I'm going to be a life coach because I know what people should do, and I'm going to tell this person how they can fix their problem. Mm -hmm. Real coaching, in my opinion, and in the opinion of the ICF, the coach isn't there to give you what, tell you what to do or give you opinions. The coach is there to support you on your journey of finding your own pathway forward and help you remember your own strength. So yeah. in the coaching work that I do, you know, with my clients, I don't actually tell them what to do. I help them figure out their own pathway forward. Yeah. Just give them little nudges. I remember that from my training yeah. as well. And it's not even nudges. You're you're supporting them to to nudge themselves. Mm -hmm. Like nudging mm -hmm. is still kind of like yeah, hey, yeah, 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 in yeah. that direction. A real coach is like is agnostic. Like, hey, I don't know what the solution is. I bet you do because you're a badass motherfucker. Mm -hmm. You know, one of the core components of a real coaching relationship is if you can see the greatness in your client right when they you can't, can't see you it. just turn around and walk if away if you can't see the greatness <laughs> th exactly there's nothing to work here with sorry yeah. buddy <laughs> no, see, i've turned clients down because i i can't see their greatness really? and i'm like hey i'm not the right coach for you what's what's your turning down percentage <laughs> i don't want to say but it's true it's like the thing is is like I only want to work with people where I really can see their And greatness. also, it's, it's to see, like, whether you actually fit, you're a good fit. Exactly. You know, it's obviously, it's a chemistry. It's, it's like, a chemistry thing. Yeah. And if not, if it's not, then it's There's just... There's another really coach for them who, yeah. who can see their greatness. But I really believe that, that, like, the people I work with, I'm inspired by them. You know, mm -hmm. and I get to be there to champion them and to call them out on their bullshit. You right. know, and they, because friends can't do that. Yeah. You know, and so my role as a coach is when somebody comes to me and says, yeah, I didn't do that thing we talked about last week. I'm there to be like, hey, this is the second time you haven't done it. What's going on? Mm -hmm. And we dive into it. You know, coach is there to not let them off the hook.
That's why I don't have many friends because I always call them and they bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> but I am. This is the thing. That's that's how I am. And like, I would struggle with my relationships and stuff. And and the thing is, like, people need to hear that. But the question is, how do you deliver them? Exactly. And it's, that's the yeah. emotional intelligence we talked about earlier. Yeah. Difficult conversations. Like, it's one thing to call somebody out. Right. It's another thing how? to do it in a non-violent way. Yeah. You know, say like, hey. Are you open to hearing some feedback about something that's going on? Right. Yeah. Yeah, I usually just slap them around a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> that works too. Bad. <laughs> Bad human. Bad human. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, anything else from you to add about coaching, about um, your journey and um, working with people? Like, how would you compare now? Um, so you've been doing this now for five years. The coaching uh, being part. coaching yeah. part for specifically is it you always only work with the porn addiction or no, there was yeah it's it's been a bunch of things like you know anxiety right you know self-confidence but you know i started talking about my porn addiction and my journey about five years ago also right and so i was kind of doing both at the same time like creating these resources for men i just imagine you have a new 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 patient is like so we have these options to talk <laughs> about like, yeah i'm pretty good to talk about porn uh anxiety yeah. any of them no oh, okay sorry yeah. buddy <laughs> i mean it's that's kind of what it was like i had a little like here's what i help people with yeah. and it was like porn addiction anxiety they choose you like a little uh computer game character yeah, yeah. <laughs> do, 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 do. creating an avatar i can help you with this i can help you yeah Jerking too much? <laughs> Call Jeremy. <laughs> my new punchline. <laughs> nice one. Um, yeah. yeah, anything else to add about about that and um, important addiction? Yeah. I would say, you know, just my, probably something we didn't talk too much about, but one of the most important, th if there's anybody out there listening who's struggling with porn, one of the most important things is... VPN. VPN. Because <laughs> you don't want to get caught. Um but in recovery, like shame and sexual shame is mm -hmm. such a huge issue when it comes to porn addiction and healing your sexual shame is, is one of the most important things you can do. Mm -hmm. Like learning how to not shun your sexuality and think that it's a bad or perverted, but learning how to embrace it in a healthy way. Mm -hmm. And so just to kind of for anyone out there listening, like knowing like, hey, you're not a bad person. You're not a pervert because you watch porn. You're mm -hmm. a sexual being. And that's a beautiful aspect of being human. But learning how to embrace that and not not suppress it, not hide away from it, you know, not like cover it up, but really embrace it is a part of the healing journey. Because if you can't embrace your sexuality, yeah, it's not going to work. I'm just embracing that I'm a perv for l many years. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's what I do. And that's, that's <laughs> damn healthy. You know? No, but the, on a serious note, um, yeah. especially I think like my partners in the past, I can say like for women, that's been such a huge part that they are so afraid, ashamed to talk about like what they like and how they like. And they would literally be in a relationship with someone for a long period of time. And they would um, never even experience orgasm. Or if they would, it would like be like shitty. It's not yeah. very great. And then a friend of mine, <clears throat> she was dating this guy for a while, and she would sleep with him just because she thinks that's like her, um, like a thing she has to do because she's dating him. Mm. I was like, how fucked up is that? Mm. It's like, well, yeah, well, we, sh he's my boyfriend, so I need, I have to have a sex with. Him. Like, right. It's like living some eight, like ancient times, or like, like the cave century, like the, my like times, the cave yeah. times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm a Thank I'm God a we don't live in those times. <laughs> I'm a woman. I make potatoes too, and I give sex. Yes. 
That's what I do. You sound like a Russian man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's, uh, that's the K-Man <laughs> people. Yeah. Okay. Um, cool. Let's talk about... Oh, let's have a break. Let's have a quick break. Cool. Yeah. It's yeah. a little intro for the third half. Jeremy was falling asleep already, so yeah, I need to wake him up. Here we're talking serious business, serious stuff, no joking around, just about porn, that's it. Um, in the third segment, I usually talk about the um, uh, kind of books and movies and people, because I always ask to my guests, um, what are their faves? And what I say, know your uh, friends' books and, and favorite films, and you will know them kind of thing and I don't know it's probably not that true but it just sounds cool uh, <laughs> I will start with the with the books straight away because yeah. you also mentioned uh, the book Happiness yeah um, and I was just listening it on uh, on the audio version and I didn't I think I got to the half of it mm. um, but the the film um, the book I uh, listened twice was Man's Search for Meaning yeah. which we can talk about later but let's talk about the happiness one since you start talking about it earlier yeah and um as far as I could understand from like this book and for so many other books who talk about happiness is it's almost like everyone has to have their kind of a prism, their, their, their way to look at it. What does it mean happiness to have kids, to have, to have a, a company, to have money, to, to travel around the world. So everyone should almost kind of figure out for themselves what is happiness. Mm. Like that's how I kind of see that. Um, but yeah. What do you think, and uh, why this? And this book really changed your perspective, and then you start doing all the meditation and all that stuff. Yeah, I mean, this book it, it blew my mind. It, it it changed everything. It's it's interesting because I've gone back and read it a couple times and, and recently, and now when I read it, it's just like, oh yeah, well this is obvious. Mm, mm, mm. Uh, but at the time, it was just it was revolutionary for me to think that that happiness was really is so much of and happiness is you know it's a term a lot of people. For them, happiness just means like having a good time. Right. Or like being smiling and bubbly. Mm -hmm. But in this book, they're really talking about the kind of happiness that is much more like inner fulfillment. Mm -hmm. Like having that deep sense of inner fulfillment, of living a good life. And what the book really shows is that, you know, it, so much of it is not about the external conditions, about making everything perfect and always having pleasure and never having any pain. But it's really about cultivating these qualities of mind about how you're relating to your world things like compassion kindness you know patience you know all these different mm. things that actually lead to that inner quality of of inner fulfillment um and then the other mind-blowing thing about this book is that it was written by this tibetan buddhist monk who also has a background in molecular biology he was working on his phd in france and so he brings together the scientific world with the spiritual mm. world. And he really showed, for me, the first time was like the concept of neuroplasticity and that you're hardwiring your mind to think certain thoughts. If you're always thinking angry thoughts, that's going to be the habitual you know, pathway of the mind. Mm -hmm. And you can actually train your mind in other directions. Mm. And so, again, that was just super insightful for me, especially around my porn addiction stuff, is I was just hardwiring my mind to be filled with lust and mm -hmm. craving mm -hmm. so that book really opened my eyes to like hey i can actually do something about this it gave me like a pathway out of my uh, depression and anxiety yeah. yeah um when you mentioned uh, something popped in my head um oh it's like listening listening and i, I but i don't want to interrupt you so i'm like listen then i forget next time interrupt me hey, yeah, yeah. just throw, throw the axe in there um 
Uh, we're going to come later to me, I guess, or maybe not. Anyway, so that's the first book, um, yeah. Happiness. And, oh, um, what I want to mention about, it almost feels like it's wrong to have that word for happiness, happiness, because when you say happy, happy, smiling, happy, mm. that's association. Yeah. Yeah. There's much deeper, like it would be better to use the deeper fulfillment and blah, yeah. blah, blah, something that is more, because, yeah, it, it feels like when you see someone, look at them, they're just so happy all the time. Yeah. And then someone struggles with depression and all yeah. sorts of things, but like they put their 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 smile on their face every right. day, and you don't know is it true, is it real, is it not right. real, and all those kind of things. Well, that's you're so right that kind of the the word happiness is just fucked now mm. because we think of it as like having partying and having a good time. It's like we know that that doesn't actually necessarily mean you're feeling fulfilled with your life or mm. at peace inside. You know, the other kind of word to describe what I'm talking about is inner peace. Mm -hmm. really being at peace with yourself and at peace with the world and one of the re one of the things i really love about buddhism it, first of all is that it's not a religion you don't have to believe in god you don't have to believe in rebirth or any of this stuff it's it's very pragmatic and scientific it's not can you have sex before marriage oh yeah oh yeah there's no sins in buddhism well i always knew that buddhism that's the one i would take i also yeah. trained kung fu for two years so and i was like these guys that should look like Buddhist monks and stuff. And they actually yeah, grew up yeah. in some of those. Shaolin monks yeah. and stuff, yeah. I should clarify what I mean by there's no sins. There's no sins. There's things that are skillful and unskillful. Mm. So certain things are said to be skillful. You know, they lead you towards greater inner peace and well-being. And other things are unskillful. Mm. They lead you away from that. So what in Christianity they might call a sin, in Buddhism we call it, an unskillful action oh, right. it doesn't mean you can't do it it just means hey you get to bear the consequences of if mm -hmm. you call somebody a piece of shit that's not necessarily skillful mm -hmm. like you deal with the consequences of that mm -hmm. um anyways one of the things i like about it is you know the statue of the buddha that you always see and the, the buddha the smile isn't this like ecstatic like mm -hmm. hey i'm having a great time it's like this calm contented serene mm -hmm. smile and to me, it, that is more evocative of the type of happiness that I was looking for, which is this contentment, mm, you know, to mm. really be like at peace with what I have and, and all that. Not this like always having a good time, because that's what my life was, full of partying and smiles mm. and sex and music and food. But I wasn't at peace. Mm. One word for you. Mushrooms. <laughs> <laughs> That's another t another episode we could talk about, but I'm actually very much uh, a proponent of, of psychedelics for people's yeah. healing. Mm. Yeah, if it's done in the right way. Again, you can go to a rave and do it, and it's just... Yeah, no, in my experience in the past, like, I wouldn't... Only one time I actually did went to, like, the rave kind of party, that was not good, that it was not yeah. nice. Yeah. I don't know. I think mushrooms, this is a, such an amazing journey, and finding all sorts of things and, and super important, what, who is your buddy? And is it one, two people, three people? I always had only with one, one mm. other person. Mm. And every time I would have just so much interesting revelations, and there would be laughs, there would be cries. And that's like a, this crazy roller coaster, which is kind of like, you know, uh, kind of on like feelings on steroids, I want to say. Mm. Like if you hear music, you go, oh, it's a nice song. No, it's like, oh my God, that's the best song ever. It's like <laughs> <laughs> or or you, you think about sad, something sad. Oh, it's sad. No, it's so sad. I just want like, it's just all of your emotions are so yeah, like kind you, of. You feel yeah, your yeah. emotions in it like deeply. Yeah. yeah. And then you're so connected with nature. It's insane. All you want to look is in green stuff yeah, and flowers. Yeah. That's what, it's so sad to me. People who only do shrooms like 
at a rave and have never done it in nature. No. Fuck, man, right. like, you got to go sit under a tree and just stare at the that sky. That ain't no right. I'm telling you. That ain't no right. That ain't no right. <laughs> that ain't no right. <laughs> ain't no right with that. <laughs> oh, God. Um, cool. Yeah, the other one, one I want to mention. Did you see the movie called The Shrink? No. The Shrink with Kevin Spacey. Hmm. He was playing this uh, shrink whose wife uh, committed suicide. And um, so it's very like LA movie. It's actually mm. filmed in LA. All these big, biggest like LA actors kind of there. They're all there. And uh, he, he, he hated himself so bad. Like, cause he is a shrink who helps people. Mm. And he didn't even notice that his wife is going Suffering through this and, yeah, yeah. crazy stuff. And she killed herself in the car accident. Wow. And, uh, and he uh, was invited to go to all of these uh, interviews because his book uh, became a bestseller, and the title of the book is Happiness. Oh, shit. And literally, he starts the interview, Happiness. That is da 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 And all of a sudden, he just, like, takes his book and rips apart or chucks it away. It's like, this is bullshit or whatever. He just walks yeah. away because, like, he's like, this is so... And it's so pretentious for him to talk about happiness when his wife just killed herself. Yeah. Anyways, check out that movie. So the shri uh, shrink, yeah. just shrink. Really interesting concept. Okay, uh, next book is Men's Search for Meaning. Mm. I heard about this book many, many, many mm. times. I heard about the story, the concept when, yeah. you know, they were in concentration uh, camps and then everything was taken away from them, everything, and they were treated so badly. And then you kind of somehow find that place or space inside your 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 head that no one can take away yeah, those yeah. things from you yeah and that incredible incredible book yeah life-changing book no. people haven't read it yeah and when someone complains about their life read that book yeah read that book bitch yeah, yeah. <laughs> um and some like viv like these stories uh how like these german um uh, uh whatever these the guards, guards yeah would uh, treat them so badly and say like um yeah, how are they would say, oh, German workers would do this job 10 times better. And then this guy's like, you haven't fed us in three months. Haven't fed us three months yeah. or like giving this food. My, we don't know what is going on with our, um, with our um, uh, families and stuff. Yeah. You threatening us to kill uh, every, every other day. We see dead bodies around you. How can you possibly compare that with, yeah. you know, yeah. so many, so many crazy things. Oh, but the biggest, um, Think about this book, in my opinion, and let's see what you think about it, is that how these people who were under this regime and they were surrounded by this all this evil and they would ex uh, accept that or as a norm, as like, this is nothing bad we're doing here. And then there was um, one of those, uh, they, they, he had this like, crazy nickname that he is a doctor death or something, and he ended up being in a prison, in a Russian prison with this other guy, and then um, uh, this uh, other guy met the guy who wrote this book or who told the story and told him that this guy was one of the nicest guys ever. Mm. And he would have that name as a dead, uh, as a doctor of death in that camp. So basically the story goes here about all these guards and who are so evil and bad, whether are they evil and bad people or they are in this environment mm -hmm. and this whole belief system what they just follow blindly yeah. because they think they're going for a better good or something. Yeah. I mean, the famous Stanford prison experiment is mm -hmm. all about that. And it showed that you take a bunch of random, you know, kids at Stanford and give them this power and they will treat people, mm. you know, horribly. Mm. So we know that the, the psychology is fucked up there. Mm. Um, for me, the, the biggest kind of key takeaway from that book is just showing you 
how important it is to to find that sense of meaning in your life that like you can be in the most dire conditions you know literally in a concentration camp where they're killing people left and right but they can never take away kind of how you respond to your environment mm. that you can re- choose to respond from a place of love or compassion or patience or solidarity or you can choose to kind of respond with anger and hatred and and all these other things and to me that's the the key takeaway it's like finding how you want to respond to the situations Mm -hmm. in your life like how do you want to show up in the world what kind of values how do you what kind of a person do you want to be do you want to be the person who's just giving up and whatever or do you want to be the person who's even in difficult circumstances trying to take care of your friends and your neighbors yeah yeah that is that is big and you can see how many people having the same exact environment will react differently yeah and you know for me that is a story of uh, where i grew up in small town and i would say that i would have all these people in my school who had exactly the same opportunities exactly the same environment where they were raised and now i can look at them everyone is so in such different places mm. in their life some some of them never left their little town they're like alcoholics or whatever and then just never pursued anything some of them just did amazing things with their life and then some of them like me just you know does whatever yeah <laughs> <laughs> but um it is crazy how to see in the same environment and then further i would see down the line the same thing was happening in, in riga when i would go to university and then i would go to my, take my master's degree and i would see like again someone was just like oh i just need this degree and my life is going to get so much better yeah no it's not yeah. you know it's about you what you're going to do with this and stuff and um and yeah and then when I moved to Canada, it was interesting that I would sleep on the floor for like how many days, how many months, months now, maybe weeks. And I remember it was tough to find work and like you don't know anyone. And we, we had like maybe 10, maybe less Latvians who we knew. And only me and this one guy, we stayed, continued hustling and trying to figure out how to survive. And all, most of them in a one, two months, they're just like, oh, mom, send me money. I'm going home. And we were like, we had this kind of a crazy immigrant, also small town mentality. Because both of us, we came from small towns to big uh, city, the capital city, Riga. Then we fought, fought for like surviving and living and whatever. And then that's, we already had that kind of a feeling that this is how you do it. And we were accustomed to it almost, you know. And then going there. And then afterwards, I was just like continuing having the same attitude. Mm. So even when I moved to Bali, I was like, sort of finding people, how, who's yeah, doing yeah. what? You know, it's a different like kind of mentality. Yeah. Yeah. Um, then the next two books I didn't read, I didn't listen. Uh, there was Wherever You Go, There You Are by John Kabat-Zinn. Yeah. Tell me about that book. I can sum it up just in the title. Yeah. Like just the idea that, so many people have that like oh once i get to here once i have this you know once i do this then it'll be different Mm. but the thing is it's like wherever you go you're bringing that same attitude with you right like if you don't know how to be happy with what you have now like getting a a better car getting a a better girlfriend it's not going to change like you have to change who you are from the inside Mm -mm. so that if you know it's just that concept like wherever Mm. you go you're bringing that same asshole Yes, you know. Like well, it is kind of same asshole you bring with you. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh uh, shit! Oh, oh shit! Oh damn! Oh, oh shit! Wow. Yes, that's what's up. Yeah. <laughs> it could be like I don't know. Like in Bali, you can do this called the anal bleaching. You maybe it could be like different type of asshole, but it's still yeah. gonna be the same yeah, asshole. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. isn't it like the the, the 
anal sun tanning thing yeah, is yeah, yeah. getting crazy. I was actually recently tried to convince someone that the, um, the way you can tell someone someone's age, mm. just like you know when a tree when you cut the tree, you see how many how many lines. Yeah. yeah, so uh, that's how you can tell someone's age when they bend over and how many wrinkles on their bum hole. Mm, okay. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. I know a lot of people ages around Bali. <laughs> <laughs> No, just joking. <laughs> but also, there was a similar concept uh, from the whole thing of the secret. Remember, there was the the, the book oh, and also the film. Yeah. I mean, a lot of it was a lot of bullshit. Yeah. You know. Then afterwards, they were saying like they also on uh, talking about Joe Rogan's podcast and and like, I think a producer of that film was on uh, Joe Rogan's podcast and yeah. he said like this is such a bull of crap they it's were working on. Bullshit. But in the same time, what you were saying like about the first book, Happiness, there were some little similarities like how you the way you act and the way uh, you are you're gonna attract those things you know it's yeah. all about the, the law of attraction totally. but i was like it totally makes sense if you're always grumpy hate your life you don't want to be just nice yeah. to people around you obviously people don't want to hang out with you yeah you know you're not gonna attract nice people around you if yeah. you're gonna attract someone i don't know who are those people yeah but that's the thing you go and talk and you're interactive and you're smiling yeah. you're attracting people exactly so makes there's sense. some truth to it it's just yeah so some people take the secret too far yeah because they were like i'm just gonna wish and it's gonna happen yeah i'm, I'm gonna wishing manifest now. my dream villa in bali and it's gonna happen <laughs> it, it did <laughs> and the last book was uh, rage of dragons oh, and man. it's a fiction you're a fiction buddy aren't you like, you gave I me like one fiction. of the movies as well as fiction but um yeah well most of them but the one is anima so what's about oh, this yeah, book yeah. so the this book it's just it's a great it's a great story about perseverance. Fucking just, it, the, uh, you just have to read it. Do you read uh, fiction or? No, no, I was, um, and that's something what I kind of want to get into because. Read this book. It's like, yeah, for, for, for men, I mean, it's, it's like a macho kind of, it's this badass character mm-hmm. who just goes down into the darkness. So like, the question, the main question is, am I going to masturbate more or less after I read this book? Or just want to impregnate all the women I see around yeah, me? Yeah, y- your testosterone <laughs> might like jump by like 500% after reading this book. So you might masturbate more. <laughs> um, but it's, it's a badass book. The, the, the main character is, is flawed. You know, he's like but he's also just such a fucking badass. Like for me, probably in the movies that I listed in the books, I love badass characters. Mm-hmm. These larger than life, like heroes that are just against all odds. They are badass motherfuckers. Yeah. And this guy in the story just. Yeah. Also the underdogs or. Like he's also an underdog. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. He's an underdog, but he just, because of his grit and perseverance and hard work and his willingness to literally go into the darkness in this case like he said once in a while this is america no no it's actually written by a <laughs> african author so it kind of takes place because no, it's american dream it used to be the idea that oh. you hot work hard and you're gonna get your 7-eleven oh yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, that kind yeah. of is not there anymore no. i'm guessing no. uh and that's cool like so you're talking about these kind of larger than um, life characters and gladiator probably would be a good yeah. movie to talk about well and gladiator is also just like for me, I love movies that show us uh, like an example of how to live with, with honor or mm, value mm, or mm. like to be a better person. And right, right, right. I mean, that character, it's just like, again, yeah. another badass. Like, because in his case, because like he was an underdog, he was like really worked hard and he got to the peak and he just got dropped yeah. by this nasty prince, <laughs> <laughs> motherfucker. Um, yeah. And who, with who I was working on the film 20 years later after Gladiator wow. on Napoleon. 
Joaquin Phoenix was playing the, uh, the Napoleon. Wow. And it's coming out uh, pretty soon, I oh, think. Really? And the coolest thing which I can tell you is that the opening scene in Gladiator, yeah. so when they fi- there's this battle with these uh, forest forest people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. My, my people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. Um, yeah, my people, they were having a fight. And uh, one of our scenes in Napoleon was taken there. Wow. We were nice. filming right there. Same director, same main same cast. Same director. Yeah. So oh, I the, can't um, wait to see this. Uh, Ridley Scott yeah. and uh, Joaquin Phoenix, uh, but 20 years later. Wow. And it's crazy. And so many, like, so many stunt guys, they were literally were, like, uh, wearing diapers, you know, when that yeah, movie yeah, came yeah. out, and now they're part of it. Wow. And, and it's, well, I was one of them who was wearing diapers when I was 18, yeah. Mm. <laughs> it's like 20 years ago, crazy. No, what is my, no, what is, uh, yeah. 20 years ago, I was 18. That's crazy. I'm so old. Damn. How old are you? 36. 36? You're younger yeah, than me. That's right. You're not allowed to I be mean, so... I mean, I look... You're all not this allowed, wisdom looks You're not allowed old. to be so wise. Yeah. <laughs> and I sound like I'm like 16 <laughs> years old. Weird. Yeah. But English is my third language, so maybe that's kind yeah. of a, you know, towards me. Probably all that point. And um, so do you remember like your favorite, favorite part of the Gladiator? Are you not entertained? Are you entertained? I don't remember my favorite part. I mean, yeah. I haven't even seen it that long. I just remember the impact it had on me. Yeah. 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 Cool, yeah. uh, Shawshank Redemption. Yeah, that's a, that's another, one of my classics. It's it's another. Like, I don't even really remember like yeah. the scenes or what happens. It just you know that movie hits you. Yeah. So bad. What was yeah. the what was the guy's name? Um, so um, the the main character who um, was imprisoned, so he killed his wife. How did he, what was his name? Because uh, Morgan Freeman would have that uh, monologue. And he came in, and then uh, he was just like, and at the beginning, I looked like he had the silver spool up his ass or something like that. Yeah, yeah. I have <laughs> to go back and watch it uh, again. It's been too long. Yeah, it's such a, such a good, good film. Yeah. Um, and uh, uh, was it a fiction, though? Or was it, like, based on no, some kind of true story? It was totally I fiction. I mean, maybe it's based on something, but... And then the only film which I don't know from yours is... Fuck like it, Princess Mononoke? <laughs> Come on, man. Come on. <laughs> Who the right. f- Princess Mononoke. Uh, you know Spirited Away? It's it's animus. Anima, right? Animus. Anim, an- anime. Anime. Yeah, anime. It's a Japanese uh, animation. Yeah, that's this is a proof that you're younger than me. Yes. Because you watch some weird kid stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and porn. Yeah. <laughs> Alright. There's a lot of uh, there's a lot of porn anime out there. Oh yeah. I used to watch Huge. Them. Is yeah, that yeah. what you started with? Not what I started with, but I went through a phase Was it was it, it um was it kind of um, uh, porn? because no. of the Princess Mononoke? <laughs> <laughs> no, Princess Mononoke. All right, listen. You got to watch Princess Mononoke because this is a badass mother. Get inspired movie. by Princess Mononoke to watch yeah, for, uh, yeah. porn. And then you probably might. If you watch that, you might start watching some porn. But it's, it's by a very famous Japanese director who did like Spirited Away, which many people know, won like Academy Awards and stuff. Um, but Princess Mononoke is one of his films, and it's just a beautiful film. Mm-hmm. About, I mean, it's it's take some shrooms and watch it. Hey. And you'll, you'll, no, seriously, take some shrooms and watch it, and you'll thank me later. Okay, okay, we'll do that. Promise me. Yeah, I will. I pro- promise you. I still have some left in my Good. fridge, by the way. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we did the tea this time. It was amazing. Yeah. Okay, and then people, uh, literally, out of all of them, I just know Joe Rogan. 
I mean, yeah, Joe Rogan, like, who doesn't love him? Just a sweet. Why do you, Why do you love him? I love him because I think he's hot. I would have babies with him. I don't know if I want a gorilla. <laughs> you look a little bit like him. Yeah, is that inspiration as well? Like gorilla? What's What's wrong with a masculine man? No, it's wrong. I just <laughs> he wouldn't be my first and choice. And he wouldn't be on top. Why well, he has to be on top? I just have a feeling. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> let's let's stop sexualizing and objectifying Joe Rogan. Let's talk about his inner heart qualities. Yeah. Why do I love him? He he knows how to enjoy his life. Mm. You know, he, he loves to laugh and have a good time, but he's also serious and likes yeah. to interview scientists and learn about the world. Um, and I, he really does strike me as a kind person. Like he cares about people. And on some of his episodes, you see it coming out. Like he'll yeah, cry. Yeah, you know, yeah. and it's like. I think he's it's just a beautiful example of a well-rounded human being. Yeah. Someone who's authentic and not fake. Because there's so many fake people mm. in our world today. And, he, you know, he knows. He he, kinda, you know, he calls himself a buffoon. And he is sometimes. Mm. But that's beautiful. Like, he's not trying to pretend to be mm. something else. And actually, because of him, I'm more uh, coming to um, being okay with that I'm a buffoon. Yeah. Because very often I'm like... You know, on an intellectual level, I don't know certain things and I say things which are wrong, but I'm not embarrassed about them. Yeah. I think when I was younger, I was. Yeah. Oh, I don't know how to spell that. I don't know what is that. And now now I'm just kind of throwing it out there. I'm wrong. Oh, I'm wrong. Okay. Yeah. So move on. You yeah. know, if you, if you really want to learn it, then you just go and look it up and you're fine. Yeah. But there's one interesting fact. I don't know if you see uh, in one of his episodes, uh, Joe Rogan was saying that he couldn't ejaculate before he actually had a r sex uh, with a woman. So he I would mess. Yeah, yeah. So I saw that, and I was like, "Oh my god, we're just so similar in so many levels." <laughs> He's like my brother, like because I, uh, you know, youngster, I I would masturbate. I could never ejaculate. I would have only like the wet dreams or whatever, mm. but I never could come. And then I, after I had uh, sex with my girlfriend for like certain period of time, then I would like you know whether I haven't seen her for a while, yeah, because we had a long-distance relationship. So it was like, I wouldn't see her for a while, and then we like, masturbate, and I'm like, and I could come. Mm. And Joe Rogan had the same thing. And so, so he also he said it's a very common thing, hmm. and just people don't talk about it. And it's very interesting how, like, that you have that certain block. Yeah. Something is not really working in your body, or, like, something wasn't opened. And, um, yeah. One of the craziest, I think, episodes with him is like when he was interviewing that uh, girl who escaped from North Korea. I don't know if I saw that. I remember when... Dude. And, and yeah. the crazy thing I mentioned to you about um, uh, 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 Snipes, uh, Roger Snipes, who was yeah. my um, guest as well, and he did interview with her as well, but they just did the, um, the Zoom interview, yeah, yeah, yeah. Zoom podcast. Yeah. And so anyways, like when Joe Rogan was doing that interview with her, I was driving from one job, one stunt job, and I was like in dark, just in my van. Like my, my lights were really shit. I was like kind of struggling to see the road. And they were talking about this in a, like for like two hours, yeah. right? And you just like all transported. It's just the, all the crazy stuff that yeah. was going on in North Korea with this girl and with these people. It's, wow. it's unbelievable. I have to go back yeah, and listen to it. You have to listen to it. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. I remember when it came out, but I just didn't listen. Yeah. Yeah, no, Joe Rogan is cool. Like, I want to put a little button where if we talk about, we mention him, it's like, oh, hail Joe Rogan. Like, there's <laughs> a sound. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and because of him, there's so many people found their voices. It's insane. Yeah. You know, yeah. podcasts. Like, how many He's the granddaddy of the podcast. Yeah. Um, okay, and then you have two people. Uh, one, I can't pronounce the name. Ajahn Cha. Ajahn Cha. Yeah. Yeah. He's a, a famous Thai forest meditation master. So okay. 
just a, a very inspiring figure. You know, he he kind of helped create this new movement in Thailand, like maybe 80 years ago, 100 years ago. Mm-hmm. Back in Thailand, for a long time, they, they lost the practice of meditation and they were treating it more like a religion and rituals and chanting. And he kind of brought it back to like, hey, let's actually get serious about this. But mm-hmm. the reason I love him, he's just, you can see like he's just a happy person mm. and but also he's kind of a trickster like he likes to play pranks on people Telling his shrooms yeah he <laughs> might have done some <laughs> microdosing yeah. all the time um but you know you, you can just feel this sense of of joy and mm. happiness and inner peace in yeah, this yeah. this kind of simple monastic and the thing monk. is like you meet people who they try to do that but you see it's fake yeah especially so in bali looks so sad yeah looks so sad and w- i had this one there's do you remember there's a called blue uh, bloom festival i've heard of it bloom festival i yeah. went to one of those yeah. and there's this one girl who was like all spiritual she was all connected she yeah. was all like all this shit and then in the evening we were there and her house was like well the place where she was staying was kind of nearby i was just talking to someone and she would look at me she's like hey hey you it was like Excuse me, like she's like, you with big muscles, come help me with to with a bag or something, and I'm like, first of all, I don't appreciate you talking to me this way, and blah, blah, blah. and and then she and she lost her shit, so mm. she started yelling at me like this wow. and that. I'm like, but you know, it could be the same thing. It's just like someone has issues and yeah, you know yeah, they yeah. just lost their plot or whatever. Yeah. But uh, it is um, unfortunate when people are like, yeah, I'm just this inspirational person and stuff. It's like, no, just be yourself. Yeah. I think be yourself and be the nicest you can possibly be. Yeah, and we, we all know that we have capacity of being nasty. Yeah. But then what do we do with that? Do yeah. we think about like afterwards, do we try to be different? Because I know that I, I have that. And, and my girl who I'm seeing at the moment, she, she says that I can be quite reactive mm. on things. But one thing when I changed or I'm trying to work on is I react and then I think about it and uh, try to prevent yeah. that in the future. Yeah. I look at you looking at your watch. Yeah. So your lady is <laughs> waiting for you. Okay, we have last guy was Alex Honnold. Alex Honnold. Do you know who he is? No. Oh, man. You Maybe if I would see him. Have you not seen the documentary Solo or Free Solo? Free Solo. What is that? Skydiving? No, it's about a man Oh, the, the climber guy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I know about this guy. Yeah. yeah. It's just not good with names. Yeah. Had to look it up. Sorry. Like, yeah. didn't do my work or homework properly this no, time. No, but he's just a just a cool guy. Mm-hmm. Like, I just love his attitude. He was on Joe Rogan's podcast, yeah. wasn't he? Yeah. One of the best episodes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We'll just another guy that's super authentic mm-hmm. and enjoying his life and, like, living in a simple way. Yeah. Authenticity is a huge now. Yeah. Okay, before you run back to your lady, uh, just one more thing. Give me a, I usually end with a, a bomb of wisdom. What would be the bomb of wisdom? I mean, you've been throwing bombs this whole evening. Um, but uh, to a younger version of yourself or to a person who would like to pursue what you're doing? Or both or separate? Let me let me start with the easier one. Somebody who wants to pursue what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, I would say... Coactive Training Institute is one of the best coaching schools. They've mm-hmm. been doing it the longest for like 40 years. They certify the most number of coaches. They have tons of different locations you can get trained at. And it's just a very rigorous program. And you get ICF certified. Put in the work. Put in the investment to, to get that. Because especially if you want to coach uh, you know, people in the corporate sector, they look for that ICF mm-hmm. certification. If you're just being a... you know backpacker coach life coach you might not need it but if you want to work high level high ticket clients get the icf certification 
Um, I hope ICF is paying you some money for advertising them so heavily. ICF doesn't. ICF is the best. Yeah. ICF is so great. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I really I believe like train yourself. Don't just yeah. be a life coach that tells people what to do because you're doing yourself a disservice and you're doing your clients a disservice. And it's going to improve your relationships. Like yeah. learning how to coach is learning how to put your agenda aside and really get curious about what's going on with the person in front of you. Right, right. Yeah. Um, what would I tell myself? A younger version Jerk of myself. Jerk <laughs> 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 oh, Fuck, that's a good question. I mean, just like never give up on yourself. I don't know. It sounds kind of corny, but, uh, you know, all the shit that I went through, you know, all the, the hard times, all the loneliness, all mm-hmm. the depression, it's made me a stronger person because I've learned how to work with those emotions. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess like learning how to be more vulnerable. Like like letting people in mm-hmm. earlier mm-hmm. on, you know. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> yeah, my let, let people in. big stamp on my, my forehead. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like you know, being vulnerable, showing, you know, what's really going on and being okay with letting people into your life to help you. You know, admitting that you need help is something I wish I had done earlier. Yeah, and th- that takes balls. It because especially, uh, especially men. Especially for men. Yeah. Yeah. Uh listen, what do we have here? What do we have here? There you go, buddy. On this one, we're going to finish this one. Thank you so much, Jeremy. Thank you, and good luck with your future endeavors. Thanks, brother. <laughs> it's, been a, it's been an honor and a pleasure. Thank you, man. <laughs> and, and a hoot. As and well. a hoot. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Bruno's Podcast.